Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, welcome to My Good Bad Brain. It's a podcast about mental health and being a person. If you dig it, check out patreon.com slash mygoodbadbrain. That helps support the pod. There's some neat little rewards there uh, from time to time. And uh, leave us nice reviews. Those are helpful. Great. Theme song. I mean, like, if you feel the nice reviews, leave them. Don't lie. Okay, bye. Welcome to my good, bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is. But I figured out a long time ago that being alive is beautiful. Hello. Hi. How are you? Um, welcome to my good bad brain again. Um, today... The podcast themes are around sort of uh, this strange moment in history we live in, being millennials or Gen Z. Uh, I, I have the distinct privilege of being one of the oldest millennials. I think technically they say millennial starts around 1980, um, but uh, uh, whatever, I'm 85 and it just feels weird. I'm probably part of the f- last generation that like bridges this gap between a, remembering a time when there wasn't internet and then now. And, um, you know, what that does to like how, what kind of people we are and how we look at the world and think of the world and weird, weird things. And I had my buddy Dario on to talk about it. Um, and I won't, I won't say too much here because I, you know, Dario is somebody who I met and I talk about it. We talk about it in the intro of us talking together through Instagram. He's an artist and he wrote a book recently. Um, that's kind of like a, it's funny. It's a funny, like sort of translation guide. It's really good for giving to like boomer parents or whatever, stuff like that about, uh, millennial things, aspects of millennial life and what, what that, what that's like. And, um, I like, you know, I, I like to promote his stuff because I think he's really creative and he reminds me of me. Uh, and we talk about that a little bit and I just like other weirdos. I like to, I like to try to support other people out there doing stuff. And, and I didn't mean to do the book thing. I haven't really read much of it and put it, just say, Hey, on Instagram, check out this thing. And then I was like, you know, Dario, cause he posted some stuff and whatever. I'm just, you're going to hear me say all this to him again. I thought he'd be fun to come talk on the pod. So he talked for a while. Um, before we get into that, just doing a little personal check-in because I think it, it, I've gotten some nice feedback over the last week from, from the last episode where I was, um, being expressive about stuff I'm going through and been going through. And I, I, I gotta just say that that's really wonderful to hear from people, um, out there. I, I feel like we have this little quiet community, these secret, quiet, silent connections with each other that get created 
through this podcast and other I don't know there's got to be like it's probably like a whole genre of like I don't know like like reflection recognition uh media (laughs) you know examples of things that you're going through that feel lonely and then realizing other people go through them too and then being candid about it helps you feel connected and um it makes me feel connected you know when i hear other people feel connected when i the stuff i'm saying here alone into a microphone reaches out into your ear balls and um it resonates and then it resonates enough to tell me that it matters so thank you thank you for that um this is, it's been tough. I'm still, I, I had like the really strong like f- thing today of like, oh man, I'm really still stuck in a little bit of a depressy thing. And what do I do about it? Um, I tend to isolate when I'm in it. So the two things, like big things are phone a friend and it helps with the ADHD too. There's a strategy called body doubling. And, um, if anybody else out there is just like having a tough moment, um, I know I'd suggest like try to try to make a plan that's that helped me so addition to my normal morning um not always but I've been doing it more when I need it especially list making you know of stuff to do my little plan of attack for the day I start with like a to do things that like whether they're dishes or um showering or simple little things like that I just put it on the list to go do it and that helps me feel like I'm starting to accomplish things um, but like I haven't been doing any of the things also, this is like one of the insidious things, think about being in depression waves or episodes or whatever is like, you can't, uh, you can't just snap out of it. You know, sometimes that's the whole point. You, you know, what's going on. You can't even do things that, you know, help you. Like, it's really hard to do your best practices. It's really hard to go exercise. It's really hard to not eat something that just like will make you feel bad, which is, is weird. Again, I'm like unwinding that because I'm unwinding my mental issues. Like I talked about last week about food and judgment of myself and existence and whatever. I'm trying to unwind that from also practical things that I know like have depressant or or uh, not effects, which is, I'm really more talking about like alcohol and stuff like that, which I have not been drinking. I've been feeling good that I haven't been doing that, but like sometimes just like candy and stuff can sub in for that. And I know that it's not like um, necessarily going to make me feel the best. Just like I know if I continue to like not exercise or move my body, I know those things, the way the chemicals work, that they, those, those activities really help me feel better. But when I'm in a depressing state, you're like, damn, it's really hard to get yourself to do that. So, that's where like make a plan is and reach out to friends. So I, I've already, I got a buddy who I work out with sometimes. I scheduled a thing to go work out with him again because I've been avoiding it just to like have a pal to get through it, you know? And, um, they were like super receptive and warm and helpful and, uh, like, but just positive too. When I was like, yeah, I'm just having a tough time getting out of this rut. They were, he was like, we'll get out of it together. We'll climb out together. And that made me feel fucking good as fuck you know and um and likewise uh after i finish getting this pot out today i'm gonna go sit with Allie and do study hall like body double because otherwise i kind of isolate and sit alone and sometimes just get really distracted and get into bad spirally places and just just being in the room with somebody else working um on something totally disparate not talking nothing just can be so helpful and i know those strategies uh help me so i made a plan and i'm gonna follow through on the plan you know um so if you're out there and you're having a tough one, just know that I'm having a tough one. Other people are having a tough one. I'm just going to keep reiterating that, that we are connected in this network of possibility. 
And, um, you know, I suggest trying to make a plan. Just make a list of things that you like or things that you know are good for you and help you um, from just an objective standpoint. And I've really been digging this metaphor for myself of the list making and why the strategy making helps is like, um, I feel like a, a box of Legos. I feel like a box of all these pieces of things and just a big mess and I have no idea what to do with them. Uh, so I kind of have to write myself a manual. And so I, in the making of a little manual for myself for the day, um, give yourself a schedule to follow, things to do, a little instruction manual on what to do with your Legos. So it's uh, it's useful because it's so like sort of blueprinty and stuff. I can almost like step outside of my experience moment to moment and do this little activity of a little assignment worksheet. And anyway, that helps me. So if you're having a tough one, uh, my heart and uh, also my head goes out to you. And I uh, suggest these possibilities to you. I really do like this idea that came out of the last one that I, I really think just in the possibility of hope, you've almost already done it. That like, that's something we can all have. And like, if one of us can maybe get out of it, then I think that makes it possible for the rest of us. So I know I'm a little bit down right now and I'm having one that's not the easiest, but just being able to recognize it and contextualize it with the wider knowledge I've gained over the last few years of learning about my mental um, illnesses, quite frankly, and um, understanding them as things that aren't me, that they don't have to be me, is helping me climb out of the hole. And I'm not 110% with it, but that's part of the thing, man. I've been trying to, my, my psychiatrist said this last week, she was like, try to judge yourself less. You know, um, I, I worked with this body worker over the holidays and she was wonderful. And I, I had seen her a little bit before, a few months before. And I saw her again. I was like, hey, I haven't been doing that thing. You told me to do this exercise, not as much as I should. And she goes, that's okay. She's like, let's try to like adjust that language. Like we talk a lot about the body as a problem and ourselves as a problem. Instead of being like, oh, I didn't do that thing. I say, I'm, I wanna, I would like to make uh, more space to you know, sit in my hips a little more and practice that and spend some time uh, stretching on the wall or whatever. Just I'd like to make a possibility for that. I'd like to bring that more into my life. This positive possible thing instead of like, I know I haven't been doing that I'm supposed to do. And that really struck me when she said like how we talk about our bodies as a problem. I was like, yeah, we do. I do. And I talk about it in just every way it could be. I talk about myself and my problems as problems. And I was asking my psychiatrist, I was like, you know, I'm feeling a little bit like the more I focus on my quote unquote, my problems, the they're getting worse. Like almost like sometimes this therapy fatigue. I've been here so fucking long and it just feels like I'm making it worse by thinking about it instead of just living my life. And she was like, I think that you can get stuck in the problem if you keep thinking of it like this problem instead of just some parameters, just a different set of tools and things to work with and around. And that helped me to think about because I've been getting really frustrated. And what I tend to do is just say, I oh, fucking, I'm not even gonna pay attention to this mental health stuff. I'm just going to tough it out. And it's not, but that doesn't do anything about it. You know, I'm just thinking about it too much and that's going to go away. It might like put it in a closet for a little bit and I can live in denial from repression for a while, but it doesn't make me well. So this idea of being like, well, let me stop thinking about my atypical brain as this fucking problem that I can't fix and obsessing over my identity as somebody with ADHD or depression or whatever. 
and instead just understand these tools that I'm going to have to utilize. And sometimes I can do it on my own with the listing and stuff like that. Sometimes I'm going to need to phone a friend and reach out for some support. Sometimes maybe it's just listening to a podcast, you know, some, some educational book or something I'll listen to about ADHD or depression, something like just help me with possibility. So I'm just sharing that where I'm at and some of those things. And, um, you know, I hope that, I hope that we all fucking, I think we can all thrive. You know, I think we're fucking doing pretty good considering. And on that note, uh, let's talk to Dario, my buddy, Dario Savan about, um, damn, this weird world that we live in. He's like this abstract artist. And it's just kind of part of what I liked about him, like that his clearly like his art and his mental state and everything are response to um his world around him that i seem to have a similar one this sort of insanity of this millennial moment this shift in technology that has made us such strange iterations of human beings but maybe not i don't know anyway theme song here we go i hope you like it bye-bye Talking louder, 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 okay. louder. I disagree with everything you're saying. Great. This is good. These okay. are good levels, I think. Uh, we're recording. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I just got a tiny bit of that. All right. So, um, so this will be my uh, this. So I'll talk about what I thought we would talk about. You're Dario. Hello. And um, Dario Savon. Savon. That'll be written down. But um, <laughs> I've I so I've known you for like a little bit of time. Um, like, like never too close. Obviously, we've only hung out like a couple times in person, like once, once and a half kind of. You came by, yeah. yeah. And um, but like you, 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 we met through the internet, which people do sometimes now. And um, I immediately like you reached out to me initially a while ago because you're an artist and you you were making these garments, these shirts with like these absurdist. Um, designs on them and uh, and you did it was a very like businessy thing you were like do you want to will you promote this stuff it was a like, classic yeah, yeah. like Instagram yeah yeah influencer situation uh, which is fun and I, I thought that was uh, nice and I was flattered because I don't do that stuff like ever and I don't really have like a I don't have like a huge following that be like go buy stuff and then you'll mm-hmm. make a lot of money so I just thought it was cool and and uh, and I also just felt like immediately um, I guess parts of you remind me of myself, and I think mm-hmm. part of it, part of Including it has to your sexy eyebrow. Yeah, well, eyebrow no, I mean that's line. I do think physically even I was like you're like a you're like a stronger our, version our, of me. Our dads look identical. Really, literally, our dads could be brothers. That's weird. Is he from the Midwest? Yes. So is my dad. Where? Indiana, Hammond, Indiana. That's really interesting. Literally, they could be brothers. Just you ever done your twenty three and me? Uh, no, I did uh, National Geographic. Are we related, do you think? I wonder if I we wouldn't are. Tell, it wouldn't tell us that. We'd have to do Ancestry. We'd have to do the same one, We'd right? have to do Ancestry. Well, 23 Me, I think, does it because I do it in some of my families on there. And it's like you have the... You're pro, you're, anyway, are we'll you, talk about this okay, yeah. off the air because... <laughs> I don't know. But um, but so I had that feeling and I really like liked your uh, art and like your sensibilities that were like... To me... 
Okay, I'm not going to be very concise with this, but I was like there. I, so okay, I'll get around. Let's we'll get around to that. So your <laughs> so your art was like this absurdist, interesting stuff. You draw, you do like visual art, but like you're definitely not limited to that. And then I think we talked a little bit about like lifting stuff or something like that. Like you had definitely these physical life also, mm-hmm. which um, yes, we ha- we've connected on that level too. Yes, because Jarrett's really clever. Like I, he's got great taste in functional workouts, and I'm all mm. about functional workouts. Yeah. I, yeah, it's weird because I also well we we can talk about that at some point I guess in this conversation <laughs> I I go through phases I'm definitely in like a not phase now I feel like very like not lifting things moving things barely doing jujitsu I don't know what you just getting weird you uh-huh. know what I mean you go in phases but anyway so 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 yeah so you came into my life that way and I just and we just would stay messaging and and periodically but I just like liked your weirdness quite frankly and like you're that's like where you're centered I think in. Uh, your your outlook and but also being clearly talented and disciplined like the way you your the things you make are good and and then thanks man yeah of course and then it came <laughs> back around that you had written this this book that you made and which is more stuff that just like jive with me so much like in the sense of um making just making your thing and putting it out there but like actually getting it done because mm-hmm. i'm not as good at that and quite honestly i haven't read much of it yet i've like flipped through here and there it's I'm, it's called i'm not moving out i'm not getting a job screw you a millennial field guide plus gen z and and you would you know diligently like poke me about it here and there because you gave me a copy and asked if i felt like promoting it to, to do that and i intended to and uh and i was just like i want to like read it i want to actually read before i do something because anyway so so this happened and we we're talking about the book and you were telling me how like, you know, it's it's um it's really like you've gotten nice feedback from especially like grown up like boomers and Gen Xers mm-hmm. and stuff who it actually helps that, them that's understand. That's really who it's written for. Yeah, yeah, like a translate like a guide. It, it's basically a guide to the millennial slash Gen Z childhood and yeah. like all the shit that hit us like all at once, the internet, video games copious access to marijuana. Exactly. Like we had like all this shit hit us all at once. And I think, uh, and basically I've found in my life that my parents and their friends just really were missing a lot about yeah. our lives. Well, so that's, so that I wrote this book we'll them. talk because that'll, that'll be kind yeah. of the big theme of what I felt like would be interesting to talk about. Cause, cause then you, you put something on your story this week and, uh, that was like about how you used to be a, you were a basketball player mm-hmm. in high school, like a, and your team, like state champions, right? Almost, or something almost. almost yeah. So like very competitive, very athletic, and then switching over to art and this idea of like feeling like a winner and having the swagger of like an athlete because swagger is an integral part to like athletics. Absolutely. And then that being weird and out of place and having to like change that up. Yeah. Cause, with, cause I sucked. I was, I, I mean, I was good enough to get world. into art center, but, but like, I wasn't the king of every class with right. ease. Um, so, so that so, sort uh, yeah. of appealed. So, so uh, just to, in my summing up my weird intro before I stop cutting you off so much and we have a real conversation, <laughs> I um, I felt like that was interesting to me just seeing you be open online about that. And it reminded me of like, damn, I always feel like I have stuff in common with Dario and, and the book stuff I meant to talk about. And, and I've been thinking a lot about, cause I was doing some research about like Gen Z stuff, like earlier this week and talking to one of my um, little sisters about it. And, um, I guess the the overall thought was talking to you and talking to us each other about obviously your personal stuff. We'll always get into that about like your personal like experience with your own mental health and um, being a person. But I think specifically related because I feel like 
a weird kinship with you. We could talk about Aww. this, the weirdness of the world that we, this millennial That's thing. That's my favorite topic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and responding to it with this absurd art and like, right. how the fuck are we people oh, and Jared, what are we? that's my favorite okay, topic. Okay, well, great. That's 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 what I thought the general subject would be, is like <laughs> the effect of, and, and just exploring and having fun with, because I don't think we're going to like come up with a fucking answer or anything like that, about like that effect on existential like uh, experience and our mental health directly related to this weird millennial gen z world and like Mm -hmm. i guess we could start with that like what do you think is the fundamental thing that shifts because i know gen z is considered to start right after 9 11 but like like what what's the fundamental shift in our culture that makes us feel so separate from the sensibilities of like at least boomers yeah you know, Gen X, there's a little bit more crossover because the slacker thing that they had kind of like bled into us. Mm-hmm. But the slacker, to me, the slacker thing did bleed into us and that kind of like irony. And we took that ball and ran with it. But our irony, I think, is much uh, sharper and like more yeah. consequential. More, more refined because of memes. Yeah, yeah. I have, like that's I have a our whole fucking chapter language. on memes because like I, I would show memes to my parents and they would just, it, w- it would be like what, the, it would be like looking at a Rorschach Right. They just would have no idea what the heck that is. So there's a whole chapter, on, or not a chapter, but like a sub-chapter on, on memes. Um, yeah, I think memes are a big deal. But I guess to get to your question. Um, talk right into the thing. I know it's right, it's going to oh, feel weird. Okay. But it just if you just very like stand-up-y. Yeah, I gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll um, probably cut that out, but thanks. we'll see. Um, yeah, so I, I think the... It, it well it's really it's it's hard to reduce it it's a kind of it a is. combined effect so that's why that's why i put it that way in the book it's the combined or the, i organize my book as the internet effect the social media effect the video game effect effect the marijuana effect and then the combined effect because i think wait, they're say all, it again you're saying internet meme wait, the, say the, the internet effect right the social media effect right the video game effect and then the marijuana effect, right? In, marijuana, that's interesting. You, you know that 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 hits some people more than others. Well, that you're are, from California too, yeah. So, which I think that's definitely. Oh right, you're not because I'm not, yeah. and I do smoke a lot of weed now, and I see its effect for sure. I mean, but like that 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 is the one that I might say is like more like local. But there is something actually, 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 actually. I'm gonna step back off that because I think you could sub in for marijuana, um, like fucking promethazine. Or like See, I never, that was not at my school. Period. See, me neither. I, me neither. There was like, I mean, people would drink a little bit, but like, as a cultural thing, yeah. this generation and their um, sort of something that attracts them to whatever the downer is that's available. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, eighties are very associated with like quaaludes coke, and coke. coke yeah. You know, like this culture that's very like up and blah blah, and um, and that's not what millennial is yeah that, like the irony so i was gonna say the slacker thing bleeds into it but like i do believe our generation the big thing that links all those is internet yeah is like the interconnectivity that's the umbrella thing so that's why i put that first yeah i really fucking yeah. think that that is the big i think like the i mean Herzog in his documentary i think says this kind of stuff but like that like the internet is like as big or bigger than like the wheel like Absolutely. in terms of its impact oh on society i think it's it's as big as electricity I think so, and and we're just at the far. beginning. It, yeah, it's like electricity was just invented thirty years ago, and then it just hit maturity 20, 10, 15 years ago when we were growing up. Because I'm twenty six. Yeah, the internet. So, yeah. Um, so oh yeah, yeah. you're twenty six, which means yeah. it's a good too because I'm thirty three. 
Yeah. So like we're yeah. so you're almost Gen. So, you're still millennial uh, right. for so, sure. Well, that was what I wanted to address because I was doing research on this and within marketing circles because these are the people that really have to know the details about demographics within marketing circles they have a distinction between people 27 and under and people 27 and over so they they yeah. they consider though they group everyone 27 and under with people who are currently 18 that's their demographic right. marker now technically speaking in pop culture terms millennials can be older than that yeah I was um, and, and about i definitely it, it my brother is roughly your age and he has millennial traits yeah um, but I, less than me but um, i think you know I, yeah I'm, so there's I something about the, to like, it i'm definitely the oldest fucking side of i mean i think they say 80 was like the old 1980 was the oldest you could to, to me though too much shit happened i think between so too. 80 and 90 well i also think there's a major yeah. difference between um between fucking the like in their formative years how much internet did you exactly have? and like i still remember not internet and not smartphones and i but and i started doing like aol chat rooms when i was in <laughs> yeah like nine or eleven somewhere in there you know yeah. so so like but if you go down to you it, which is like it was we had youtube in in eighth grade yeah which is so to me i i think like there we was, started having it but it wasn't what it is right it, that's why i say there's there's like a maturity that the internet hit like yeah when i was in eighth or ninth grade so i had it in high school full-blown like youtube on my phone at all times because you know internet being able to look stuff up because to me that's the big deal is is there's a shift in how much one has to know immediately at the drop of a hat. I think that's a really big kind of transcendental thing that people don't think about. What so do you much. mean? Meaning like how much knowledge is required of you right now to be able to just relay versus what are, what is the overall culture allowing, allowing time to look up? Uh-huh. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like kind of. Yeah. So, keep going, keep, so like keep, in the yeah. past, yeah, like, give me an example. Yeah, yeah, like in the deep past, they would have to memorize books, right? And and in have the deep it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah, the, in the deep, very deep past. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and and it's just since then, it's just been less and less and less and less to the point now where there's very little that you have to internalize and be able to right. know at the drop of a hat. And I think. Uh, right down to like phone numbers. Right, right yeah. down to phone. I don't fucking remember phone. Exactly. Numbers. I don't know if if I if if I lost my phone, I probably could call my dad. I couldn't call yeah. my brother. Could not I could call, call my, my brother. brother only because we have <laughs> we when we originally when we got our phone numbers we were on a fa family plan like decade uh -huh. ago, decades ago. Yeah, and so our numbers the same except for one digit. One digit. So you're like yeah. there. That's easy. Yeah. So I think that's a big difference. Um, and. And like, not necessarily in a bad way. Like I'm actually, the book is very pro millennial. Like I actually really support us. I think, I, I, I think there's a lot, I think we get a really bad rap. And so the title, the, the, I'm not moving out. I'm not getting a job. Screw you thing. That's, it's a red herring clickbait title yeah, for, for boomers, for boomers. Basically yeah. it's like, let's start at the worst stereotypes. And that's like the first, that's the second page of the book. It's like, right. here's all the negative stereotypes yeah. that we have to hear all the fucking time. Right. And then I deconstruct them and I, and I acknowledge some aspects that are true, some that aren't, but all the while it's a very pro millennial book. And, and basically the gist of it is we're fundamentally oriented in a more uh, towards the outside world in a more connected way. We're less egotistical because of that right. information diet thing that I was talking about, because it, if you think about it to, to um, be able to, or to be the type of person that wants to just 
be really, really smart and know everything about everything all at once. That's a, that's a very sort of egocentric thing. And, and I, I'm a fan of the ego. I like the ego, but, um, well, it, we, I, but I, there's less of that now. There's less required yeah. of that now. So, so I think there's uh, like more of like a, there's like a distributed ant colony network kind of vibe mm-hmm. beginning to percolate. We're not I, I do think that's yet, interesting but. because I think a lot of the negative perception of like what this generation ha- is, is that it is very egocentric because of social media. That's the whole joke about yeah. the snowflakes and the complaints, or whatever. The irony of that being, of course, that like those are the people of the generation of like a house and a summer house yeah. and two cars in the garage. Exactly. Those are the people saying we're the egotists. Yeah. Whereas to me, so I, I love, thanks for bringing that up. Cause I make the point, I make that exact same point. I say, I say, um, the, like the first thing a millennial does when they, when they figure something out is they post it online on a message board. What, right. And, and the way the, and I can, compl- in my social media chapter, I, I think personally think social media is incredibly positive force though. It can be misused. I'm, a, I'm, I'm back and forth. On yeah. It. But here's my take on it. You know, feel free to disagree. Yeah. My take is it's actually fucking amazing. Yeah. With a little downside. But the thing is overall, I would agree. Yeah. Be- mm, yeah because there's much. people like you, Jarrett, who, your one of your big things is posting like kettlebell workouts. Right. What a tiny, you know, small niche thing. And it, and as soon as I saw your one of them, I was like, oh, I love this guy. He's got great taste sure, workouts. Sure. And then now we're sitting here talking. Yeah. Over your kettlebell freaking videos. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of truth to so, that. So there's yeah. a lot of micro networking or networking at a higher density, if you want to put it that way. Like I like this guy named Rich Twenty something. Mm-hmm. I think his name is Daniel D Piazza, and basically he 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 speaks to entrepreneurs and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And and he combines the two, and like he's like a spiritual coach for entrepreneurs mm-hmm. slash creatives, and he he just like he's not a movie star because if you think about it, the in the past you had to be a freaking movie star right. or this or that. Now you can just be a guy who is very spiritual and likes entrepreneurship, and you can hold that energy. Not to sound well, like a I, yoga I will teacher. say about that that is an interesting because because yeah. I, I was um doing some more like like I, I didn't want to like I was working on a project so I decided to do some like Gen Z research about some things about like Gen Z kids because I am starting to be like there's some we're like whoa I'm I'm reached the age where I'm old, old. like I'm like disconnected <laughs> or they have like cultural mores or jokes or things they're that I'm different. like oh shit they're different than me yeah yeah and um and I think that I think especially because like the media is still like the standard media and the people who have money who are like funding the bigger corporations that like create like a lot of the stuff like, traffic online is like still in that. Yeah, that that red herring sells. You still get a lot of that like anti these youth kind of things, the fucking crazy kids kind of vibe. And and I was like, I just don't think that's true. And and talking with like my youngest sister, who's definitely uh, Gen she? Z. I mean, what is she? Fifteen, I think now. Yeah, so she's like borderline Gen Z, iGen. Yeah, right on the she's border. like very young, which yeah. is like iGen is that after Gen Z? We're yeah, saying that's like they've never not known an iPhone. Right. There's yeah. never been a yeah. She's like basically yeah. always had that. Yeah. While also having an interesting balance of growing up somewhere very natural, very like. Uh, you know, like literally her mom, like living on like a, a forest preserve for a period of time, but like mm. still being in this, this yeah. new world. And, um, I don't know. There's like the entrepreneurship thing is what made me think of it is that a, like, like there's, there's kind of like the negative, uh, stereotypes about people at this time are, um, 
can are usually within the negative stereotype. There's like a, a flip side of the actual truth, which is like the one about like, oh, they're all like uh, lazy or, or like egocentric and they don't want to go get just like a job or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, a no, there are no jobs mm-hmm. like we can be <laughs> like like yeah. this idea. Like there was some article recently that was like, oh, more and more millennials and Gen Z are choosing to be freelancers. And you're like. No one's choosing to be a fucking freelancer. The companies don't offer right. these benefits anymore. Yeah. So entrepreneurship as a kind of like is the answer to like basically still wanting a, some individuality and some creativity. And it's sort of like instead of just throwing your hands up and being like, I guess I'll just give up, like which is what they kind of want to suggest that people younger ages do. There's actually like this toughness and this individuality of it, like, I got to make and, something and an, happen. And an innovativeness. Yeah, like because yeah. you just don't really have another and, choice. Right. And and what's cool about social media and the internet is you can make really, you can make your own job, your own little niche. And mm-hmm. this, I go on at length in my book about that um, because my parents didn't get that. They, they had a completely simplified, skewed version of social media. And I was like, no, there are people who love to cook and they love their three dogs and they cook in the morning and then they drop off their, their, their hand cooked meals to people. And they, they they have like a little food delivery service hmm. within their neighborhood and they live, they have this beautifully balanced, integrated life. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what entrepreneurship and like really niche entrepreneurship lets someone do is create, is tie in their career and their lifestyle. Yeah. And I think that's really what millennials are about. And I think that's kind of the way more like future. unified it's life unifying the whole life like, as, opposed to, po- as opposed to seeing your eight hours a day as this removed kind of like thing you just do. Yeah. You, they're, they're, you can the tie movie, it all um, together now. And, and that was not possible even ten, even 10 years ago. Yeah. That feeling that you're just like selling your life for periods of time yeah. so that you can have right. it. Later. I, I think that's a big shift is that we don't like that idea. And that's because personally speaking from experience, I was around my my dad a lot when he was working for Sony, and that's how it felt mm-hmm. for him. It was like, Ugh, you know, the movie Alien, like the Alien movie. Yeah, that, like there's I, some I didn't like realize till like I was older that like the whole movie is just a um, it's just a, a metaphor for like capitalism and stuff like is that. <laughs> and and one of the things is like these space truckers who literally sell like they're asleep for two years. Right. Like, they you literally sell just sell years. your years of your life. Yeah. To, you know, uh-huh. and like you're like, oh, damn, that's really fucking clever. Yeah. But also I, I think about that all the time now that that idea of uh literally that it's it's this or that it's like either enjoying my life or selling it for mm. so that I can have this other half that 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 is going yeah. away i i think and the thing is we have so many influencers that have created that really integrated life that it encourages us to do so so uh, like my mm. little example within my life is i'm like i'm a trained video game concept artist i went right. to a really good school art center And like, I totally could have got, could get a job working in the video game industry, but there's, but I, I want to do other types of art. I don't want to be locked into eight hours a day. So I learned Shopify, which I was advertised to Shopify advertised via Instagram to me. And they said, look at all the products you can sell. And look how you don't have to have any inventory. You can literally make a piece of artwork. My brother was talking about this like the other on, day. You can, there's these services that they print the, the product and they send it to your customer and you don't have to do anything. Yeah. But, but run ads. So that's the job part of it is you have to run ads and make the art. And right. like that, that caught me right as I was leaving school. And 
and like now I have a, a you know a business uh, basically selling dinosaur merchandise it's called dinosaurus.com and it's just like really di- it's just dinosaurs everything yeah i turned candy grab <laughs> into dinosaurus dude that's fun yeah and it's just we're just the goal of that is just to make like because i can draw dinosaurs all day long i love dinosaurs yeah it's one of my favorite things to draw dude, i love so i love cute forests i love i love just the, the whimsy of it yeah my art's very whimsical so it's like I would be searching for game companies that would let me draw really colorful, whimsical stuff. Yeah. Or I could just draw that for myself, put it yeah. on these products and create a brand. And it's not a full-time job and it's passive. It's yeah. semi-passive income. And, and like that, that was not possible three that is years true. ago. I think so. the flip side to that, that's difficult for me. And like, mm-hmm. I, I instantly cringe about the idea of, I feel like I've had been exposed to like a lot of gross and like, just like ugh, annoying versions of it. Like the entrepreneurship thing or my, my family, my brother, and them were really in like the Bay area, like tech entrepreneurship stuff. And like, well, that's, there's, there's so much like entrepreneur or like, even when you uh, say uh, this guy who's like spirituality and entrepreneurship uh-huh. immediately, I'm like, Oh, fucking hate that guy. You like do? not, I not even like knowing. Maybe I would, maybe I would in practice, uh-huh. but you know what I mean? In like, Why, I, well, let's break what, that down well, like, why what, don't you like what well, like what is it yeah about well that? I, well okay two things one immediately i think of like you know the guy who would run those ads on youtube all the time so he'd be like hey i'm here with all my books oh, uh, i got Lopez. my lamborghini but yeah, also yeah. my books yeah like that's what i think of uh-huh. is like hucksters basically and uh-huh. that like the internet has created a space for hucksters also mm-hmm. and also like in the same sort of realm i would say of the hucksters is like the professional cosplay models and the like people who like in influencers a lot of them who like we decide that we just like the them being whatever they are and then and i guess what i do what i don't like and i think other people i of this generation do maybe some the ones who don't get excited about the entrepreneurship thing is this um like there's a there's a feeling that you are demanded to trade your life still for coins basically for something and that if you don't commodify your existence or your creativity or something like that Mm -hmm. and figure out how to make it like a brand and how to Mm -hmm. and that basically this like these commercial thoughts about advertising that created Mm -hmm. like a whole fake bad world that created the boomers in a lot of ways like now we've just internalized it like Mm. um like like, um i have a rebuttal but i see what you're saying my girlfriend on her podcast did this episode uh collology about the beauty standard the study of beauty standards with this this you know professors whatever and something that really stuck with me about it that i thought was interesting is she was very bleak. This woman was like, before it used to just be magazines and you'd be like, oh, well, I know there's some separation where you go like, those are unrealistic beauty standards. It's on the cover of magazine. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of people to do that. It takes like mm-hmm. a lot of professional stuff. And now we do it ourselves. There's like beauty gurus oh, online and you even Photoshop self, your even, own photos, yeah, even selfies. So mm-hmm. it's like we're self enforcing all the negative shit that was outside of us before. <laughs> and so the same thing, it's like we can criticize because I think there's a lot of us in this age who see climate change and see the realities mm-hmm. of late stage capitalism and automation coming mm-hmm. that we have more socialist principles we're like mm-hmm. we're yeah. like there's I not gonna be a too. job for everybody there's gonna be fucking robots i, I talk about automation big time that's gonna be really interesting that, when I, that really kicks in yeah but my point yeah. is that like you have this cognitive dissonance of like i know we i i read the numbers that like the 80 per like 80 percent of the new wealth that was created over the last years went to the the billionaires like mm-hmm. the there's the top 26 richest people in the world have the same amount as the bottom 3.8 billion yeah and so you know that there's this cognitive distance of like we shouldn't 
be demanded to constantly be selling ourselves. And I think that's the scary feeling of even if it's not for literal money, that social media creates a sense that I'm selling myself for likes or I'm mm-hmm. selling myself so that people keep following me or that I need to stay relevant or present or or do something like this this yeah. um this um uh, championing of the concept of hustle. You must hustle <laughs> and that will I make say, you good. I, I don't completely agree with you, but but what I like but what you're saying is is um, what I say in my book is there it's a we have a uniquely American fetish fetishization yeah, fetish, yeah. of this of like hard work and right. grinding there it will out. be blood yes exactly and I do agree with that you but agree with that, that I exists? agree that there's a that there is an exi- that yeah. we have a fetishization I can't say that word yeah I know what you mean of, of hard work and like grinding it out right like the lone suffering. guy who's gonna yeah, manifest just, destiny yeah, like, so, yeah, it's, yeah. It's when a, the reality of right. all that was like no they're psychopaths yeah. who just murdered and took from people <laughs> Anyway, I, you're you're like wait, you know, like I know I'm kind to of the left, uh, and I'm yeah. like halfway between the center yeah. and you. Um, but I'm I'm an optimist. I think it's not that I overtly disagree with most of what you're saying, but what I see is is it used to be like go work in a fucking factory. Of course, it's like, that's but I'm true. a talented actor, or I'm I'm a talented digital artist. Yeah, I don't care. Go work in a factory. Mm-hmm. Then it was okay. Go work in a video game house studio which is which is a lot better than a factory of course yeah now it's go to art school figure out what you love to draw and make a brand out of it yeah that's really that is a good way to look at it that is a much nicer way to look yeah so that's i just have a glass half filled i think you're right what you're saying that is a good that is a good rebuttal because i do think I think I think that is funny because it's true. Yeah, you would have had to just be like, "Hey, shut the fuck up, go yeah. die in the coal mine, or we'll yeah. get somebody else to die in the coal mine." Yeah. So yeah, that is true. That's a nice way to do it. I think there's a part of you that just feels like existentially, it becomes more and more apparent oh, yeah. that like, why are we doing? Like, there's more and more like, who's making us do this? Why do we <laughs> have to pay? And why do we have to? Put- I think you should be a farmer, Jared. I know. Well, it's, that's really simple. You plant your seeds. I know. Do you you watch it grow and you eat it. <laughs> do you ever see that fucking <laughs> sketches of the sketch? There's like this British. I think it's from Peep Show. Or I don't know what it is. It's not Peep Show. I don't know. It's from some British sketch group. And there's this really funny thing with this farmer. And he's like, he's like, he's telling you about this scam. He's like, do you know about this fucking? Do you know about farming? He's like, this is corn. He's like, you plant it. And it grows out of the fucking ground. You sell it, people give you money. What? It's so funny. He's like, these are cows. They get, yeah. they make milk. You can just take that they milk out millions. of them. And he's like, you sell that milk, people give you fucking, fucking money. That it's sounds so, so funny. funny. Yeah, but it's it's like I don't know that. Um, I, I, think, I think, well, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is uh-huh. like, there's a weird feeling that like, if we see how wealth is working, if we see how like, even if you really make your money, you, you still got to pay the taxes, you still got to pay the rent and all the places are owned by these previous generations. It's this, it's this weird feeling of like, we're sending our resources back in time instead of like forward to fix the fucking climate or, or what you're saying is like, what I'm I guess what I'm arguing for is like, the, the positive aspects of this new world where you can really be yourself and build something out of yourself that's your mm. own, and, even if it is just and expression. And yes, you do have to commoditize it and brand it somewhat. Because yes, you got to survive somehow. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think I think the thing is, is like once you've had that thought and you're like, well, this is good. Why don't we just keep seeing this through to the logical conclusion? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, to me, 
which I, maybe I that's to, where I we're hate headed. to keep plugging my book here, but like th- the very last chapter is is uh, is basically the logical conclusion of like the journey of planet Earth. Yeah, what do you think it is? And to me, it's just a global hive mind. Yeah, where where everything is automated, resource uh, resources are mined automatically. Basically, we have Starcraft. <laughs> yeah, like we have units mine the yeah, shit. Little... We have we have systems that monitor the chemistry of the ocean. And basically, it's like Star Trek. Yeah. You know, you once said to me in our first meeting, yeah. we're either going to Mad Max or Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, how many times are we going to have to go through Mad Max until we get I, there, though? I, I Eventually, think, we'll get I, I just there. think we're going straight to Star Trek. That's beautiful. I really um, hope so. I really, I mean, I'm not saying there's not little, like, a stock. There's bumps in yeah. the road. Well, even in the Star think, Trek universe, right, uh-huh. the, the background of the Star Trek universe is that they did have a World War Three that, like, destroyed the whole world. Oh, really? And then it... Yeah, I'm oh, pretty shit. sure there was, I like... I didn't because know that. <laughs> if you watch, I think Damn in it. First Contact, maybe, there's, like... You see them, the guy who who first like sent up something that contacted the Vulcans or something mm-hmm. of the first like alien species they met. Mm-hmm. And it was like the meeting of the alien species that like propelled us to like make peace and become this better world. But that like it was in the wreckage of this like nuclear war that like he was doing. Is, is if I remember correctly, I think. Yeah. But, but which I forgot well, till right now. But uh, OK. Yeah. So I think I think the future of humanity is like unbelievably beautiful. I, I think this whole destroy the environment thing is a really nasty stage. And yeah. I liken it to like a disease. I kind of think I, you're right. I, I have a whole disease metaphor where it's like it's a basically the the elements that bring us to this amazing future it's like it's like lifting weights or or like mm-hmm. flu or something where you you have to get through it. Yeah. And then it gets and then you're stronger. Yeah. Your immune system's stronger. So uh I I do So I do I, think I there's that. there's there is shaky times and and hopefully not total chaos, but chaotic times in the next 20, 30, 40 years. But, yeah. but I think it, but we, we have so much good shit in place already. That's happening from that's the relative true. prosperity. That's the hard world's to, not perfect. That's I'm easy not to forget about. Perfect. That's easy to forget yeah, about. Yeah, but it's like we got, na- I have a list. Like we have nanotechnology coming down. Sorry about that. Sorry. That's so rude. Oh my God. Um, we have, You're uh, fired. you know, we have, <laughs> we have like freaking nanotechnology. We have unbelievably powerful AI systems coming down the pipeline. We have, uh, we have a superior system of sharing ideas. We have the understanding that college isn't the answer. It's not perfect that you have to be self-directed and there's more information on the internet than ever before. Mm-hmm. We have a, an amazing entrepreneurial spirit, especially in America, like America breeds entrepreneurs. But you're like you're saying does. that you think yeah. that the, the the you you're saying you really believe that the entrepreneurial spirit is something that is like because to me it like almost has like a bad ring to it now. But well, you're saying the aspects of it to you are like the individualism and curiosity and creativity and, and that and that is yeah and just the I mean I hate to sound so cliche but the the spirit of of humans to invent the next best thing constantly. Yeah, I think that wins out ultimately. And I, I really do. Hmm. I just think it's that simple. It doesn't have to be some like big religious mumbo jumbo. It, right. Like it's just literally that's what humans do. We build better tools. We're right. always, always, always building better tools. <laughs> I was talking about that last night that like it's funny to think that every time and almost every except maybe like the dark ages, they might have like gone backwards a little bit a after bit. Rome. You know? But then the Renaissance hit. Yeah. But that like so. but basically almost every time a human's been alive, they could look at like their well, if your country wasn't destroyed by war, we'll leave that. If you weren't destroyed by war or famine, whatever. There, there's like gener- single generations that perhaps only saw devastation. Right. Which but that is without th- accepting that in the more stable parts of the whatever, that like 
almost every time in human history you'd be like this is the best time you'd be like we used to almost shit just in the ground and right. now we do it in pots now can you believe pots. it right you know and and that, yeah that's <laughs> and and, I, I think, and and humans adapt to the time that they live in i think my instinct just so. goes to like the idea of an entrepreneur or like this like that that um that the dark reality, even this conversation that we're having about like, it's always been the best time, you know, that is very limited to like the first world and the most civilized like places that were had it like together but, and but, weren't being preyed upon or like the entrepreneurship mm-hmm. at the that is like inspiring or whatever isn't taking advantage of like all this like slave labor basically or you know what See, I mean? But it, it, I agree. Like that's it's complicated, though, because China loves American business. And I'm not a Republican. Don't go there. I'm, I hate Trump. Okay, yeah. but I'm just. Well, you know, China's interesting like, to me because they, it, they love American business. They've uh, they won it. They won it all. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. I and get that's that. because they have so many motherfudging people. Yeah. So, well, well, I was gonna say that I, when you were talking about the, like when you're talking about the the blip, the the idea that this environmental destruction will be like a a, a phase of us yeah. growing. I do. Uh, I think about China. I, I I read something, and this might be wrong, but I remember reading somewhere that like. They were saying that um, China's been around for so long as an entity, like mm-hmm. thousands of years, yeah. by far the oldest like country, yeah. and in one form or another. Right. And um, since they're also a communist country, that like they have these, they they think in much longer timelines than we do. Yeah, like we think in four year cycles yeah. basically because the presidents, and that right. they plan. And I was thinking like you know because because China's way ahead of us in so many ways now. Like mm-hmm. they I, they took pictures of the dark side of the moon they sprouted like cotton seeds on the moon they they they, they have rock star engineers they, yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they put yeah. engineering on a big pedestal and there is a lot of environmental stuff Whereas they've done we put we i think americans put more like the spirit of innovation on a pedestal and then we hire the engineers yeah, to do it maybe they put really, engineering on but, the pedestal but we really put like a weird shit on a pedestal. We, yeah, we put we, like celebrity and money on a pedestal and that like too. gross shit. That's probably but, not healthy. But, you know, I don't know. But but um one thought I had with China was like that if you do have a nation with a mentality of uh, a, a group think to some degree, yeah. at least like uh, sensibly, like yeah. we're going to think of it as like a communist sort of what are we doing and how are we going to survive? That does create maybe less individualism and more like slave workers and people that are unhappy in an individual level. But um, I don't honestly think that much more than he, because there's a lot of really unhappy people here. Yeah. And I think like the illusion of choice in, in a free as- capitalist society is kind of bullshit. But just the, mm-hmm. the thought I want to get out about the environmentalism thing is like, I do kind of think there's a quality to them. Uh, they're like po- policy environmentally because they're building all this like green technology and really investing mm-hmm. in all that that was like while being some of the worst environmental offenders for the last 100 years or whatever yeah. it's like that they kind of looked at it on a real timeline and right. I almost feel like they were like we can do this to make as much money as possible up to this point yeah. and then we're going to have to stop or we'll destroy the I, planet I hope they're that on top of it I I, hope I, it are. just seems like kind of like seems like that really, to me I think so too I think that's a great point about how they 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 plan on different scales and also yeah. their whole structure is so different that they can have a unified kind of agenda, you know, across, yeah, well, cause you can command it regimes it's, um, and stuff. nationalized industry. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I forgot the, the I don't know. I don't know. That is a general positive is I do think that this earth destroying phase is a very short period. It's like a hundred year period where, where it's like a flu and then you come out better and now you're immune 
to that hmm. to that strain. You'll like never do that again. Yeah, it's like we'll never do because you don't have to do that again. Because once you attain a a, a technology like let's say um like nanotechnology or like genetic engineering ability, once you attain that, you don't go backwards. Yeah. So once you like. Yeah, and and not saying there's not problems and weird political things around really Im- immense new technologies, but but it it all kind of boils down to less environmental destruction. Right. So what what do you like think? Let me shift gears slightly yeah. Yeah, because I want to like like what do you think? Like what do you think it is that is like because I do think there's a specific like like awareness about mental. Uh, unwellness is mm-hmm. so much greater now and whatever mm-hmm. but you, I think you can look at the people in millennial generations and the people who are admitting that they have a lot of anxiety and depression and whatever mm-hmm. and they still seem much more that seems much more sane to me than like all these boomers who never went to a fucking psychiatrist and clearly have like codependency issues oh, and yeah. rage issues and ego issues or, and depression anxiety yeah. just not un, not named mm-hmm. and I also think that's connected part of my a thought I was having recently was like the way Facebook has become, mm-hmm. which is like the domain of boomers for yes. the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just like, is also the thing that like with the Cambridge Analytica stuff, like they're so easy to like lie. Like there's so much like the fake news thing yeah. works because they can't tell the difference. Like we who had it, even as children to some degree, like immediately know when something is like reputable or not, even though they're both online. To some I, degree, I it's getting hope. harder. It's getting harder. I would hope. Yeah, but th- but it does seem, at least in the early days, but it does seem like there's like a lot more like boomer who's like it's on the internet and kind of like see it evenly and are easily swayed. And I don't know. Um, the thought about this at the end of it was like Gen Z and studies of Gen Z people. They said like yes, they're extremely exposed to. Uh, information on the internet but they find that it doesn't really change who they are and there's almost like an inoculation like they know how advertising works they they know how disingenuousness works they're very anti the idea of photoshopping like the young gen z kids Mm -hmm. and that they found in these studies that like they kind of like learn how to socially interact online and then they'll use that in their real life and that they're exposed to a lot of horrible shit but where we all thought like that's going to break their brains that like they've kind of just self-selected to go like Almost like they know how to interact with this tool in a healthier way than boomers do. Well, that that goes back to my point about like people's psychology adjusts to the times. Um, yeah, I think I think exposure in general is a good thing. Okay, um, uh, that's the whole point of of the internet effect. Is you you could sum it up as exposure, massive yeah. exposure. I think the more that you could look at exposure almost like like an ant colony, how they transfer pheromones, how there's a threat and then they pass that mm-hmm. chemical reaction deep into the hive and it goes, it travels very, very quickly. Yeah. That's how I look at exposure. And so, so uh, exposure of all kinds, whether it's a positive or if it, even if it's like porn or this, that and the other weird cringe videos, like the fact that we watch someone amazing and then a cringe video Mm-hmm. one swipe away from each other that's a, that's very new that's a new phenomenon and yeah. i think our psychology has adjusted and the especially the younger generation that's going to do something so and my guess is that it's going to be a positive thing um but that's also the source of anxiety because anxiety is like oh my god there's too much shit going on i can't handle it all i can't mm-hmm. i can't be Constant find a stable input. base and i struggle with some anxiety too so like i i can really relate to that but but the flip side, though, is that 
is that you realize that the world is a really big place and there's a lot of diversity really young. Like I remember seeing yeah. stuff on the internet when I was in uh, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, we would go to this website called hell 666.com. Okay. Something like that. Maybe it was heaven. It was heaven 666. Oh, okay. That's the joke. And like, I saw a guy with two dicks, like literally a guy <laughs> with two real dicks, functional, <laughs> nicely sized two dicks. And then, and then it was just a weird website of weird shit. And then I saw like a girl who could stack 12 plates on her head. And, and I just remember that was actually like a really big phase for me when I was uh, around that age, ninth grade, where it was like, oh my God, the diversity of experience Mm -hmm. in the universe is like crazy. That was actually my opening, my personal journey into like, the my more spiritual side it yeah. was that exposure when i was young and i so i think how each person deals with it is different yeah but but i think it it definitely is like a religious experience in in, in like the literal sense it's like oh my god there is so much fucking the the, the, the difference in different people's realities is shocking yeah uh, and i still can blow my own mind about that and that's a that's a spiritual question. How you handle that? How do you see that? Yeah. Like Ramdas would say, everyone's plays a different game in this life. Everyone's playing a different game. Mm-hmm. So I'm playing the game of Dario, the ex basketball player who went into art and and worships Michelangelo and is all you know does this that mm-hmm. and the other. But someone else is a sushi chef and they love the 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 feeling of the knife slicing through the fish and then feeling it in their thumbs and pressing it into the rice that's all, like they get so much freaking pleasure out of that like and 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 so yeah there's there's all of that and i think the younger generations are going to get their head around that idea that that different lives that people live different lives and that it, that's okay. And so it's breeding tolerance, I guess is what I'm saying. I think that's true. I, I, yeah. I think if you look at it that way, there's a sense of also tolerance for oneself. Right. Exactly. Where you go like, yeah. I, I'm not that's good profound, or bad. Dude. I'm just, I'm just one, one of one, billions of people. One of the s- snowflakes, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and in a beautiful, and saying like in this way of like, we do have very unique experiences and they're all valid. Yeah. And I think, okay, so this is, that was a really profound point. And then, I just kind of realized this just now. I think the the mistake that we make, though, as a culture is placing too much emphasis on 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 like. OK, here, here's what I'm trying to say. People think that buying a Ferrari must be like in riding it, driving it must be the best feeling ever. Mm-hmm. But it's only the best feeling ever if you internally, personally think that that is a victory. Right. Whereas, so I think that the experience of the master sushi chef who's who just loves it and whose whole psychophysiology is all about their hands, which mm-hmm. there are people like that. They love working with their hands. Yeah. I'm a little bit like that. I like working with my hands. Um, he is in the same bliss as the guy in the Ferrari, but yet our culture worships the guy in the Ferrari and we don't respect the, right. the, the little sushi chef enough. And I think that's the mistake. And I think that all of this exposure is working against that that mistake that's currently present. I think that might be true. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, possessions. I mean, we've all, everyone's heard it before, but like, you, you you can be rich and miserable and poor and and so happy because and some people have like fifteen 
amazing best friends. Right. I'm the type of person I've only ever had two, maybe three really best friends. Yeah. And it's like, who's happier? The, the, the person who's not as cool as I am and not six foot two, you know, like whatever bullshit thing, mm-hmm. like, but he has, fif- but they have real 15 really amazing friends that they can share everything with. Yeah. And they're, they have like a dolphin pod going through life. Right. Whereas I am very much a kind of do it myself. I don't let other people in on my life as mm-hmm. much. Uh, I have two, or I have three like best friends. I'm living a different style of life. Yeah, but that, yeah. that but that's the yeah. emphasis is it's not yeah. like I wish I had more. If right. I had more friends, I would be a better version. Right. I mean, it's like no, you, it's like I'm getting enjoyment out of my style. You're and, under- and they're yes. enjoying their style and embracing and of embracing. That idea and of so like, I think the embracing part is really what I'm saying is is the tolerance is going to lead to the more embracing. I think that I think that might be true. It's also like by removing. Uh, a, a, a basically like societally agreed upon hierarchy of things of value and I, I don't know it sort of lends you away from a binary understanding of reality like of society yeah of, of value of winners and losers yeah and- that like i would be better if i had this and i can tell because of this metric instead of just like a, a sort of a looking at everybody you know what's interesting i don't know so here's here's um something that made me think of though that idea of like a cringe video next to like a, a, a really amazing uh-huh. one or whatever is um, I there was some kid on the Internet who like sings like Broadway songs alone uh, or whatever, mm-hmm. really earnestly, such a theater kid and kind of like holds his phone the same <laughs> way every time. And I find it very cringe, but I like really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. I like really I was like, oh, my God. But he's like trying so hard. He's trying so hard. He's yeah. very earnest. No, no, no qualms about it. Um. And I was a little bit making fun of it to uh, to Allie, and she was like, "That's you." And I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> I was like, "I'm not." She's like, "Don't you put like pictures, videos of of yourself like doing shit, all you know, dumb yeah. shit and whatever?" And I and I was like, really upset about it. I was like, <laughs> "But what I do is different. What I it's yeah. not that it's more. It's like perform. I'm crafting it. I'm aware." And 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 she's like, "Mmm." And I was like, "I there's some validity." To to that and I and I guess I want to explore that with you then too is this thought of like we do sort of still uh see people and go like that one's cringe and that one's not when it's like like one thing for me is like the the um people who like constantly put a selfie up with the same face same angle every time and do this thing and then I'm like I think I'm starting to do that a little bit and do, and they have like and, the one good angle or, or yeah. something or they think they do and <laughs> yeah. then you're going to see their neuroses That's like they, they're fine they could yeah. be anywhere but like yeah. i guess what i'm trying to say is like it is weird to be in this realm that is so much more about like at least zeitgeisty culture online of embracing everyone and being not, and not bullying people and that kind of shit and like but that you they still people still pick favorites and we still say like that person putting them out there and vlogging and being this thing is really amazing actually and relatable and i love them and this person makes me really uncomfortable and it's kind of cringe and, yeah. and not good and and i think it's interesting that i don't know that we still can make that distinction i guess and that that still happens it feels almost like cruel but mm-hmm. not in a not in a truly malicious way in like the way that like lions are cruel when they eat z- 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 zebras yeah. you know what i mean gazebras gazebras <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, like, like they, this, well, this tendency, this ability. I, I was talking. To, I was talking to Terry, who who was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. We were talking like recently, and 
uh, about this idea. Like I watched this Werner Herzog documentary recently. I watched the Antarctic one. I'd never seen it. And, and I was just having this moment cause I, I've been having this fallout since a podcast a few months ago where I was thinking about like eating disorders and like how weird I've always been with food and body dysmorphia and mm. shit like that. And like, I'm being like, wow, these fucking creatures at the bottom of the ocean, they have like definitely a horrible savage life. They're like uh. eating each other all the time. I was like, they don't think <laughs> about like, yeah, they don't think like, oh, I'm so bad. I ate another jellyfish or something like that. They're just living. Yeah. And that it's weird to think that we um, basically don't have to struggle, but do it anyway. And and Terry was like, oh, but that's like, that's the important, that's the thing. They, it, they were saying like, that's the important truth in there that basically we came to was like it's funny to be in a society that yeah like we can see there's enough for everybody we don't Mm. need to be doing the struggle that we do blah blah blah. but then realizing no we do need like we inherently enforce struggle for ourselves and this thing that like seems like seems like this thing of nature in mm-hmm. us that is so used to like still it's it's relatively recent in cosmic sense in the sense of like what your dna understands that like we don't need to worry about getting eaten at night mm-hmm. you know that like so we create a struggle because it's like what we know and like we create hierarchies and we create winners and losers because it like feels like we have to you know what i mean it well yeah that's so deep i'm like struggling to figure out where to pinch it off. I know, I know. That, that's the thing. Maybe, like, maybe there is no. That's place. like so deep because, like, the first Buddhist dictum is life is suffering. Interesting. So that's why you meditate because you need to have a a, a pathway, a well oiled pathway into nothingness, into bliss, so that you can. It, so it balances that life is suffering. Mm-hmm. And this was invented 3000 years ago when they were like farming rice patties and like they considered that suffering too. Yes, not saying it's not that suffering. Is very, I'm just saying well, like, because that gets back you know, to the thing that we're saying a little bit, that joke about like whatever time you lived was the best time, yeah. but also, yeah. Also, even in those times, no matter what, they always because were like, life is suffering. If you're farming rice patties, hmm. you're, you, and you have a bad hip, let's say you develop a bad hip after th- 20 years yeah like now you can't feed your fucking now you can't work in the you can't work in the day with your grandson right because you have a bad hip it's just weird that we to them that was like i can't work with my family on the land fuck it's life sucks yeah so that's why buddhism was invented (laughs) the exact story wow is that true (laughs) no oh that's i was like good wow no but you do you know the exact story i don't okay i can well it's it's really it's a really simple story whatever No. no This, this guy who wasn't named Buddha yet, but a guy w- grew up as the son of a king. He was given absolutely everything, every food, every uh, worldly yeah. pleasure imaginable, and he was fucking miserable. So then he went, he left the castle, snuck out, and lived as a hobo, lived in shit piles, mud piles, and just was a wanderer for like four years. And he, and then he said, "I'm equally, I'm equally unhappy." living as a hobo as I am when I had all the pleasures in the whole world. And then he real he had, you know, this grand, grand epiphany where he, he realized Buddhism <laughs> that it's not about, uh, I'm not terribly familiar with Buddhism, but basically that you have to have a, you have to balance your, the real life in the sense of nothingness. Yeah. Um, that is so dope. so life the, the Which, point that was is life so is funny some- because we, we were talking in the, the episode with Nick about trauma and like and kind of what a lot of what I think I'm trying to navigate in my mm-hmm. own personal experience of things is that is that like an integral understanding that you need to balance like real life with this spiritual existential nothingness that you yeah. understand is the truth of it and that like which some would say is also you 
the divine nothingness is also you. Yes. But, but I'm just, I agree so, with that. Some people would say that. I, I think so. I think there's something to that. Um, I agree with that, yeah. But yeah, I mean... But that, but that, that there yeah. is something integral. And also, I think, like, it seems to me a lot of, like, Buddhist principles, the way they, like, like, like Zen, the art of motorcycle maintenance or uh-huh. archery or whatever, <laughs> is, like, any in any in any physical reality thing, you can find infinite bliss also. Like, like that same thing as every person's a poem. Like, in any, no matter the smaller you get and the more focused you get mm-hmm. on something ex exit is like you will find that infinite truth because, in there if you want to. Well, if you really want to get really deep, it's because all you will ever have is the moment. And even after yes. you die, even after you die, whatever you think happens, whatever you, if you think something other than utter nothingness is happening, then there will be a time component. So then you're still stuck in some kind of time. And and thus all you you are experiencing time, so thus you still have this moment. Right? Yes, and so, this moment so ne- is something so th- outside so of this, time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so this very moment is infinite, and yes. it's all you will ever have. I definitely feel that. So so that's why this is where the ego can complement, because it's like, well, I got to do something, right? And and so I'm gonna use my ego, my the voice that that wants Dario to have a a. a, a well-meaning life well i also think something like really nice about that is like in in uh this idea of um infiniteness uh like infinity Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the idea of infinity um there's this there's i don't know there's something nice to think about in there that like when you reflect on your own life from the perspective of an ego in a negative way and you get anxiety and you get all fucked up about how bad your life is how pathetic or dumb or whatever your negative self-talk does mine's Mm -hmm. just mean Mm -hmm. and and what a fuck up i am or whatever that like it is possible if you like if you have this sense already that you never think about other people that way you look at this diversity of humanity and be like everyone is living these fascinating unique things um that if you can contextualize your own experience as that and go look at it from the outside and be like, if I think every person's a poem, like I'm a poem too. too. My weirdness is that also. And even if I always loved that, like those like Taoist kind of like whatever the tradition came from, but there was this story of like the artist who like sat and didn't paint anything their Mm -hmm. whole life. They're for like 70 years or whatever. Uh And then painted like one circle. (laughs) I like loved that. I love like, I was talking to um, Jason about this, that like art is so great because uh, to some degree, because it is so much context that like that, like an artist who makes something really abstract or even like considered like bad or something like that, if they've done it after a body of work where they made amazing things, you'd be like, they're choosing to do this. There's a reason that that is not good, quote unquote. Even like you know what I mean. Like an abstract artist might do something that like a kindergartner would do. Yeah. But like in the context of their ability to do these other things, they choose to do this. It becomes much like richer. Right. So the, the choice, see that it sounds to me, I I think the idea is like you you could switch your own experience of your life to living in the choice of it and And being like, wow, it's beautiful for whatever it is. That's where the ego comes in. Yeah. Is it's all of that. Uh, I would say feminine stuff. And I mean that in the best way possible. Like the, 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 the feminine love of, of all. Yeah. And, but then it has to be balanced with the masculine. Mm-hmm. Meaning, and I mean that in the archetypical sense yeah, the of, yin of the yin yang, like like positive and negative force. So so it's like grand appreciation at all times for all beings, and then because I only have this moment, I like I I have to do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could be a monk. Monks just choose to live in meditation for ninety five percent of the time. 
but that's a that, see and ironically that's an ego choice uh, yes, that's of the course. irony yes it is is it's like oh the you know to say the real world is nothing but but a scourge and so i just will live in my mind that's an ego making a choice right so you have to make choices because mm-hmm. you are embedded in time well i've been finding it lately very empowering to not see i think this is the difficulty with the idea of the entrepreneur spiritual person it's like it's like the secret or whatever like this mindfulness is rooted in some really ultimately wonderful things that i like love and agree with i think there's a lot of people who make a very shallow version of it that feels so gross and like upsetting mm-hmm. that like you know um but that going aside mm-hmm. away because it's like the further I get on in life, like the more like corny, simple shit feels like really profound and true. Mm-hmm. Even with music, yeah. My, like Jason has uh, been playing more and more jazz and Beethoven. He's like yeah. learning, and I'm like, music that I thought was boring when I was a kid is so much more interesting to me than like mm-hmm. cool music. Yeah. I, you know, there's something. Post Malone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do like Post Malone. Not gonna lie, I do like Post Malone. I knew you have a weakness for um, I know. His I don't know high why. Pitch. Welsh I voice. love it dude he does this like he did a cover of Return of the Mac which was like so fucking good anyway but um I digress yeah but this idea it has been empowering to live in choice in the sense that like and it feels very weirdly meditative um I if I am in a situation where I'm doing some job that I don't like like mm-hmm. or I feel like pressured into doing it because it's like for a family member and they're like they fucking need and I'm just gonna if I've if I've realized if I've sat with myself and gone like, well, are you going to do it? Like, is it something you you feel like you must, you're going to do it? You're not going to not do it. And I'll go like, yeah, I'm going to do it because my mom wants me to do it. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Then you're choosing that. And just the idea that I'm living in the choice to do something that I feel pressured to do mm-hmm. is is so much more engaged with my own self and so much more like weirdly meditative to go like, even it even branches into ideas like working out or 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 if you're working on something that you enjoy but takes a lot of hard tedious work like not everything is like that's actually really beautiful like life is suffering like not everything is going to be easy or comfortable or good or even like something you want to be like it may be very intrusive whether it's nature or um the violence of humanity like it may be very intrusive to you but if you can live in the choice of like but i am picking to do this and if you're not picking to it i'm picking to be alive right now i'm picking mm-hmm. you know in some existential sense i'm choosing to be extant right now on on this plane something about that like which is an ego thing yeah. to say like i'm going to choose i is in there like something about that is weirdly like goes through uh that finiteness of the i and becomes much easier to be alive in the infinite right that's it's, so it's interesting the union of the two the two are in are in, in, interconnected yeah. intimately you know the yin yang thing's interesting there's people who have like rendered the yin yang image in in a 3d also oh, that's nuts. uh and I you realize like, like we always picture it like this swirl but it goes like let's, that let's that talk shape. about a 3d thing on a podcast that's a good yeah, idea right? <laughs> but i'm just saying i'm just saying um imagining that like i think with the 3d the 3d uh, uh manifestations it's of like, like a curvy ball yeah of there's 2D another concept. ball well everyone can picture it you can fuck a picture it uh but that it, it, i think what it does is it like even even the uh, idea of uh um feminine masculine yin yang uh positive negative when you hear positive negative we already have a cultural association of, of morality if, if it's mm-hmm. good or bad but positive negative really just means like 
in the sense of uh, polarity, physics polarity. Yeah. yeah, like something that's going in and something that's yeah. going out or something. That, right, and that that you can thrust. If we can culturally uh, start stripping away senses of binary good and bad, which may be a thing that is uh, an interesting new artifact of this millennial generation, this internet generation of like less of a sense of like these things are good and these things are bad and there's one spectrum to put an experience on into they're just different. Mm -hmm. They're all just they all just are. Yeah. Is um profound and that yeah like, and i think helpful. the internet contributes to that the internet social media even it's it's so good at at exposing us to all sorts of things weird funny good bad scary mm-hmm. whatever it's so good at that that it's addicting yeah it's like too good at it and yeah. that's the downside which you do have to be careful of is like keeping your dopamine that's something i'm a big trip oh, i'm on yeah. recently is like keeping your dopamine uh levels at in a in a at a healthy level, basically. I, I um I think that the way sleep hygiene is something people are yeah. aware of now, like how to sleep. Oh, better. phone hygiene. Uh, I, I think that is that a, a phrase? No, like, but that's what I'm saying. I'm I was starting gonna, that I, phrase right that's, now. Yes, your that's phone exactly is what I was as at. important of yeah. a hygienic. Uh, it's as important hygienically as your toothbrush. Well, and I'm gonna be a broken record about this, but like as uh the ADHD, my understanding of ADHD has increased, and understanding that it is just a dopamine deficiency, mm-hmm. like the way your your dopamine what, it work. doesn't grab. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That like. I kind of think we're all training ourselves that way with the we, phone. We are. So just just a little rule. Sorry to be a parent here, but like my little rule is get up and do the two most important things of the day before you even look at your phone. Oh, that's then great. Then take a nice lunch break. Some Maybe some leafy greens, a little bit of protein in there. Smart. And then check your phone and then put wow. it away and then do the third thing of the day. Wow. And then at night be on your phone all the fucking time that's a great be on system your phone. dude because Do you because really um, adhere that to is, that? that that's my system oh that's great because because the thing is when you don't need to get back to concentrating it's not so harmful now like i'm not a clinical psychologist i don't know that 100 percent for sure but i've just found that if i'm on my phone at night and i don't need to go back to concentrating then it can actually be a creativity boost for me wow that's fucking like great, i'll dude. go on my phone i'll get ideas and then i'll do some creative stuff p- paint whatever um, well, that kind of takes concentration, but you get the the point Whew. is be very careful. I'm, so, I'm like, I yeah. wonder if I could even do it. Yeah. Well, you know, it takes a little practice because your yeah. phone is fucking addictive. It really I'm is. Guy, I, I wrote a millennial book and I couldn't escape the conclusion that your phone is really, really addictive, but it fucking is for real. So, so it's a hygiene thing. But at the same time, all of the influencers that I've, that I've been privileged to follow and get a lot out of. Uh, all of the art, like I can't tell you how many artists I've networked with obscure artists that post like their sketches. Like you'd never get to see their sketch ever, ever before Instagram. And now they'll post their first sketch, which if you're an artist, you can get a lot out mm-hmm. of that. You know, or if you're really a musician, true, someone yeah. like your bet that your favorite guitar player, just going, Oh, I've talked about some you fucking, just, you pick up little things yes. about their method that you um, would never get. Jujitsu is something like that. Yeah. Uh, Jujitsu's exploded because of Instagram basically right. in the sense that like, uh, and there's like, you know, great, like, um, you'd call them, I don't know, like, like legendary black belts of the sport who are like, oh yeah, they're like, there's like blue belts and white belts doing stuff. Only black belts did a decade ago because of Instagram, because so you, you put some dope technique out and like everyone can go see it and screw around with it right. and figure it out. Um, and so the game is like yeah, so, so evolved. So I see, I see all of that as such a positive true. force. The thing is, it's too new. It's too new for us to really see just how 
freaking amazing yeah that shift is um and and because news needs hmm. something to talk about and salacious sells they go the internet is destroying people's minds and i mean every, anything can destroy your mind like a butter knife can you know what's cut your hand about off that? if you really want it to well i think so. the people who are saying it's destroying everything really are like boomers and maybe yeah. a little bit after yeah. and in a sense it is destroying their world like because their sense of things <laughs> yeah, is not that anymore. You could anymore. say their boundaries are being dissolved. Well, yeah. well, I guess I would just say like, I mean, in an existential sense, that world that they knew is done, and it feels like a lot of the cultural mores and forces that they're trying to hang on to is like. And also, I think it's important to always remember like pretty much every previous generation that's like, oh my god, it's all going to hell now. Look at the stuff that's on TV or what on the internet. Blah, blah. It's like what sexism and racism was like so fucking rampant it, the wars that they would have and the reasoning that everyone would get behind whatever were so grotesque and this illusion that it was like a better time with more wholesome people is like that's not fucking we true we always have every human every civilization has rose colored glasses yeah, every generation yeah, has for rose, of themselves or their, their youth glasses. yeah I mean numbers don't lie you know Check yeah like I, I talk I talk about how Spyro was like my introduction to video games mm -hmm. and that that's was like, so interesting it, it was an incredible nearly sexual experience to like <laughs> break open the crates and get the gems and stuff yeah, yeah. like I was so I love that game so much and then I look at the first version now like before the re the HD remake and I'm like god that looks like crap like, yeah <laughs> I know and but how I, was I, I how was I so immersed into this I mean I really like I'm gonna I love that uh that Dario method of, of phone hygiene because yeah. like and they say you should only try to do three big things per day. Well, what, what you just described about the Spyro thing, uh -huh. like everyone get every kid gets that. Like, like our existence is so gamified. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I like the ding ding. Sometimes it helps. Like I've been trying to learn piano a uh -huh. little bit and there's like these piano apps that makes it feel like you're playing a video game while right. you're playing real piano and you're like, oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess there's like ways to hack it that makes it like helpful and nice. But it is funny that like rush that you're describing. I remember that from video games. You yeah. break the crate open and it's like, oh God, I got to yeah. get more fucking gems. Did you ever play Crackdown? No, no, I don't think okay. so. There was another, like you'd get these agility orbs. It was like an open world yeah, game, Yeah, you'd right? jump around the city and there's these agility orbs and it would make, it would be like. Oh yeah. And so, and they were everywhere. Like the developers put them everywhere. So it's just like you were this superhero leaping buildings, collecting orbs and getting more powerful. That's really fun. And to me, like that's definitely addicting. So that's a, a bad thing. But, but like feeling intense bouts of like progress through, I, I think that's, like if you take the scheme of someone's whole life, I think that's really healthy because when I'm on a roll with my art or something, it feels the same way as getting orbs and crackdown. Yeah. Now, it's not it a does. sustained, but it's like, I've taught myself. I've learned like what that progress feeling feels like. Hmm. And I like it because of, of uh, Crackdown and, yeah. and Spyro. No, I think that's really that's Tony really Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah, I was oh, having that, that was feeling completely. Good music in the yeah, game too. Yeah. Well, for the time, yeah. but like, uh, there's a feeling about um, that's really that's really good. This week I was having that a little bit. That like, uh, I finally cracked into some work that was having difficult, and just the satisfaction of creativity when it's rolling yeah. is like so wonderful. And it is like, I think that's part of the danger of the phones or gaming and stuff like that to a certain degree. Is like you can get the same chemical feeling from the video yeah. games or whatever and just don't ever end up doing the well, thing that you mm -hmm. want to do. Well, yeah. Uh, since you liked my little phone hygiene thing, let me give you just one more layer to mm -hmm. it, which is it's my understanding 
actually Jared put me onto this oh. a year ago. You got me into what ADHD is. Oh yeah. So it's my understanding that you basically can desensitize your brain to dopamine. Yeah. So when you so let's say you you're on your phone for like three hours scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Now when you go to do an activity that's related to fulfillment, life, you know, life fulfillment. Yeah. Um, your brain's desensitized to the dopamine that that's giving you right. because it's giving you some, but it's it's not enough to register because you've just like you've, you're not sensitive anymore. Right. So my rule is I want my I want fulfillment to drive my dopamine. Mm-hmm. That's good. Un- until the evening, true fulfillment. Then I sleep and my brain goes back to baseline, and then I begin again. Fulfillment driving my dopamine. It's really smart. So you have to highlight the activities that that are really moving the needle as far as your deeper purpose, money, whatever, working out, like yeah. the 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 wholesome stuff. Yeah. You have to save your dopamine sensitivity. Yeah. It's it's almost like like if you're having sex, like taking a blowtorch and like <laughs> you know, flaming your dick and then like expecting sex to feel good. Yeah. Like that's that. really funny. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. To, that's yeah, don't a, do that's, that. Either. That's good to segue from <laughs> yeah. there into the second portion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll end on blowtorching the dick. Wow. I mean, like, you're, but it would be like blowtorching your dick, like with pleasure. Like you're doing yeah. like, the same stuff to it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, blowtorching your dick with pleasure. <laughs> we maybe we don't have to. I mean, the, like, yeah, we'll let it lie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, let's, I want to move to the six quick cues that like ending okay. part that I always do. Right. So, uh, so the first question is always like, have you been diagnosed with anything or, or if, you know, cause I'm more and more like less worried about that question of diagnosis because I, I think so many, you know, I, I was, I, it doesn't, it doesn't make it real. Are you pro diagnosing or are you pro kind of leaving it open-ended? Um, because to me, both. I'm both. I, I think there's. You can really make a case for both. I think, I think you can it's make a personal a case, style choice. I think you can make a case for both. It, it's just um, overall, I really wish earlier in my life. I, I, I've seen both because because my dad, I think, is still overprescribed or or was for so long, mm-hmm. and, and blah 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 blah, and it makes it and you know, and if you don't have some um, uh, doctor working with you or encouraging you to to build habits like that you once you get medicated because okay the diagnosis is good for medication the diagnosis is good for understanding uh removing a sense of personal ego and like a, a quality that like you're problematic somehow right or you're broken somehow instead just of understanding that it is just a diversity of experience mm-hmm. it's a diversity of organism you have chemicals that like quite frankly adhd and stuff like that would be really fucking useful if we still lived in hunter-gatherer societies yeah. like there's a real reason that yeah. these brains exist yeah but that like it may not be easy in the way society is structured now or as easy to live that mm-hmm. way. And so I think that's very helpful to go like, there's so many of these, these things that I've read now where I was like, Oh my God, I'm not just a fucking fuck up weirdo. Mm. There's, this is documented. A lot of people have this experience. And that feels good for you. That feels good yeah. because it gives me a sense of possibility and mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. and that this is something I can like work with. And my, my psychiatrist said this week, I, I saw for the first time in a while, something about like, if you could just endeavor to stop trying to judge yourself and your experience constantly and, and stop kind of seeing yourself as a problem. Cause I brought up to her, I was like in the past I've stopped therapy 
um, after periods of time because I felt like focusing too much on like my problems Mm -hmm. just ensconced them more. It was like now I'm like thinking of myself as a problem. I identify as this mental disorder person. I I personally would be on team. Let it be. Let my problem be open ended. Though, though, like I can share my own experience. Yeah, of course. But but like, like, like unless my arm is like falling off. Like I, I would rather try to fix it myself. Try to train, if I, if at all possible. I don't live with. I understand ADHD. what you're saying. Yeah, um, I, I, I um. So I, I just think it's yeah. like again, it's something to not judge and to look at a personal right. experience about. Um, there is just no correct answer. There's no to correct that. answer. I yeah. do encourage people to. Um, I, I'm I'm basically both things. I encourage people mm-hmm. to believe in themselves, yeah, and to and know belie- themselves, and believe in like their ability to like self heal, self heal, self improve, work, yeah. like to yeah. to be happy. Yeah, I I and that that's all within you. Mm-hmm. I um also think there's no shame, and it's actually part of ways you help yourself and mm-hmm. do that work can be seeking assistance from like what wisdom exists what knowledge because there is a lot of wisdom and knowledge yeah there. basically the, yeah. yeah and that as long as you are are not going like oh great now it's in some other the hands of a doctor or the hands of uh medicine there's this like i follow i think i mentioned on here before but there's like a, a physical therapist account that i follow on instagram and they always go fix your shit and basically make this point of like part of the reason to do these stretches these exercises self-exploration figure out what where your pain is coming from in your body is because no doctor is going to give as much a shit as you who's right. living with it right and so i think if you have or that, has the time to do like a 10,000 point by point analysis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you are fucking like, go to professionals, go to people who know and are, are knowledgeable and can give you context and assistance for possible solutions. Also keep it at the the understanding, the empowering understanding. I think that it's within your choices and yourself Mm -hmm. sometimes to really, no, always to really affect them. I'm yeah. not going to say you can just like decide to not be yeah, bipolar. I, I, you know, right. de- there's no one who can just say, decide. I had it this week. You can't just say, and that's the frustration of it is like, you can't just say, I don't want to be depressed right now, like all the time. Yeah. Um, sometimes you kind of can. Mm-hmm. But one of the biggest frustrations I had this last w- week was like this feeling of like, holy fuck, like inside of my depression i'm like just pick something else just be something else Mm -hmm. and being like why is your will so fucking weak and be and then so it's odd that like the outside voices that tell you how to interact with your weird chemical issues you also internalize and have because sometimes that helps like if you're in sports you know sometimes you just choose like in jujitsu i've had that a lot of times we're like sometimes especially if you're in a hard role or competition mode I, I put in my mind, I, I say to people also, like, sometimes you just have to have an attitude of denial where, like, someone gets a, a good submission on you that's tight or close or a sweep that's, like, like threatening. No, you kind of just go, no, yeah. in your brain, and it and it works. I saw yeah. I saw a great jiu-jitsu black belt, Bernardo Faria, post something this week where, where he was like, it was like, do you agree or disagree, which was, like, technique beats strength, but will beats technique. And I don't fully agree with that at all. That's how people break their arms is like will can be beaten by technique, but will plus technique beats technique. Yes. And then and that will be. And so I think there's something odd about that idea of that that middle zone of like, yeah, get diagnosed. I wish I had earlier in my life because this new understanding of ADHD that it's forced me to go learn about Mm -hmm. has really fucking helped me. I still Mm -hmm. struggle, but it helps. 
but I don't think anybody should ever feel defined by that thing. And yeah. I think it is an unfortunate thing in and our you society. You have to be proactive, still. is what you're saying. You have to be proactive. You have to like live within it. And yeah. still, I think what you were saying earlier, this this really fascinating observation, I think is true about a, a view of the universe that is less about good or bad and more about just like unique and uh, here. Yeah. Is something you have to hold for yourself also. Mm-hmm. Is like if the diagnosis helps you, then which it should yeah. then good and if the right. diagnosis is not helping you then figure out how to make it something that helps you yeah you know yeah oh well, so you were gonna do like the six quick that's the first one is do you okay. what do you have or what have you struggled with uh, struggled, uh what's your experience yeah. with that and that is kind of attached to the second question is what medications or therapies you may have tried uh-huh. so i i've struggled with anxiety depression a little bit and uh and adhd Mm-hmm. But I've never taken any. Do you mind if I add something you mentioned to me when we were talking about it too? Uh, yeah, because I was interested in this because uh, I think it's related and, to and synesthesia. You, yes, the synesthesia, oh. and you said that like you were maybe almost diagnosed with Asperger's. Or oh yeah, like that. yeah. When I was a kid, like I was like growling at people. They go, really? "Oh hey, Dario," and I'd be like, "Like literally." I remember that too. How old are you? Old enough to remember. Like, yeah, you know, four, okay. five. Yeah. <laughs> I was like a dog. Yeah. But, <laughs> like the, but that they, they went to like you. Maybe yeah. that's part of your feeling about it. They wanted to like figure out. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, you know, I never yeah. kind of put my, put that together. But uh, yeah, they were like, maybe he's Asperger's. Maybe he's autistic. Uh, and then I started doing sports. And then my I was always pretty good at reading. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of grew out of it. Um, and I think maybe that 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 did shape my opinion on that is like, wow, what if I would have bought into at such a young age that I'm autistic or something? And like, how would that have shaped my identity? If you were like, that's who I am. Whereas I never was burdened. I almost was burdened with it, but I never was placed because I think my parents were more in the vein of like, let him work through. Well, I do think that that's yeah. an interesting, that is the, that is I'm not the, saying that's sound advice. No, I know just, what you're that's saying. my personal story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I think what's important about that is, is understanding. And I think this is part of my aversion to diagnosis too, was like, I was like, what if I want to be a cop? Uh-huh. <laughs> They're going to look at my thing and be like, he, he's a dick psycho, you know? Yeah. And the I'm thing the, is you, yeah, I'm supporting but, your point. But, it's but like, I'm you might've like, fucking loved being a cop so much that it would like, shift your whole brain chemistry because you love like helping people well that's a very adhd thing to say because like they're saying one of the motivational (laughs) because the idea that is true that like if you love if you're passionate about thing you love a thing you will do it you can fight yeah you will i mean every adhd person who's ever existed a common thing they use in diagnosis is um i guess is like they say uh they always you always say if i can get interested in something there's nothing i can't do and that experience is very real. Oh, so, to mine. so I had that through sports. Yeah, because I started when I was really young, and I was, I was like, I was good at it when I was young, and I and I saw my. I actually remember this, seeing how concentrated I was, like in the middle of the game, like I had this internal voice going, like, "Damn, dude, like you're so one hundred percent into this game. You're making a thousand moves a minute, yeah. uh, a second. That's so interesting because it's ironic because you're like third person saying right. you're so here yeah. right now. Yeah, I literally I had that many times but the reason i know i have adhd tendencies is that i've had really big bouts when i was like 23 with phone uh, distraction addiction big addiction distraction where like i literally would spend hours scrolling 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 
I think a um, lot of us do. I, th- I really think we're like programming ourselves as a society. Yeah, we have happens. to be careful with that for sure. Well, because because yeah. uh, I think I'm very prone to it. Though. We only think of it as a surface thing of like something that affects like focus or something mm-hmm. like that or whatever time wasting. But um, it affects your emotional processing in a really big it way. It affects your dopamine system, which I mean, everything in the brain is so delicate and interconnected, yeah. which is why meditation works so fast is because a little shift is, is a lot in your brain yeah. in terms of your experience. But so I'm prone to that. Um, well, I was going to oh, say, I was going to say uh, just to not, yeah, yeah. not to leave it hanging. I wanted to make voice. This was like your aversion to diagnosis is still one of like of social stigma. Basically, I've like it's it's basically there's a system set up that doesn't like the the societal and systemic view of these things is still not one of everyone's a unique individual. It's one of it's good or bad. And that like if you were at a young age called this thing, Mm -hmm. then they would put you in special rooms for this thing. Yeah. And And then you're not with other people. And like if you're a borderline case, you, you could you know, there's something to be said for being around the smart kids in the same room mm-hmm. and growing and seeing that. Yeah. But I've also volunteered with autistic kids mm-hmm. and like there's people that, you know, wouldn't matter if they were with the smart kids. Like they're, they're autistic. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain ways. So it's a feel thing. I really yeah. think it's a feel thing. So I, yeah, I know what you're saying, I yeah, know you're, yeah, it's totally a feel thing. Um, yeah, so I definitely like when you say the smart. It's it's this idea of like socialization and normalcy, quote unquote, like a like a typical like an ability to flow within. Standard. Yeah, you, you, if you have the ability to go, I like how that guy composes himself. Mm-hmm. Then I think, th- then if you're that type of person, then you can maybe grow out of certain things. Um, yeah, like it doesn't help to take people that you think are like different and shove them in some weird secret corner. Right. I yeah. Again, though, I've worked with with very autistic kids who definitely couldn't have handled like a regular classroom sure. situation. So, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's totally a it is a yeah, it's a fine line it's of a like fine ass. How do we as a society like keep people integrated and incorporated, not other them, but also get them the, like the individual care, uh, that, care they that they might need, need? Yeah, that they might need. Yeah, and that's really it's, profound. It's really your parents yeah. and whatnot. So, yeah, that. Um, and then I struggled. I wouldn't say I've. I definitely dipped into full blown depression. A few times and I mean like for a day or two here and there but I but what what's more what I've more struggled with is nihilism Mm -hmm. and figuring out like the base like what do I base everything on because it all seems so vapid and it's like in a in a million years none of this is gonna matter and like you know they say nihilism is the disease of the of the smart person Mm. So, so I've worked really hard to like build like a really strong root base from eternity to myself <laughs> and like it, that, and that's the spiritual journey. And, and like, I think people not to toot my own horn, but like, I think if people, uh, met me now versus when I was 18, they, they like, I've had people go, wow, you are just like a million times different. Mm-hmm. You're a completely different person. And it's because I've found my base. I, I think yeah. that, that, um, that idea, I, I do think nihilism is like a, a potential disease of the mind of like a, of a fast processor kind of, yeah. because, um, I think the one thing I've had to protect against it for some reason is some deep resonant message from within myself that uh-huh. like things matter and you struggle with that. I do have but that. No, no, that there's something in me that has always gone like things matter. And even yeah. if it's screaming up like from some 
pit somewhere that like you know like still down there like this echo going but like there's something that is that fight saves me from fully going like full nihilism fuck it weird mode Uh, like bad faith existentialism and um but if you don't have that or if your brain is so fucking loud that and so that it just you can run away with you and mm-hmm. and and ex, and it, um it's very good at explaining like i think brains that are smart are very good at being contrary they're very good yes, at like argument argument so they will yep. explain to you why all that pollyanna shit that you can't explain about infinite you know yeah. existence or infinite love or like like a, a a something at the center of being that that matters mm-hmm. like it's easy to explain that all away it yeah not easy, but no, I know what natural. you mean. That's that's like the typical nihilistic atheist person of you yeah, know, which there's a lot of uh, around. And I, but I, the irony yeah. of that is a lot of people though. Yeah. Well, nihilist is different than atheist. They, I guess. No, they're different, yeah, they, but they they can be paired. Yeah, often. I think a lot of atheists, yeah. a lot of atheists are very humanist. No, yeah, they actually are. You know, which no, is which sure. is an interesting because I you always come yeah. back around. And you're like, um, I don't know if you know this, Mister Atheist, yeah. but you're like actually more of God in your heart than like most of the God right, people. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's the irony. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But like in the sense of it, they just don't. It's it becomes a it becomes like an issue of like terminology yeah. more than like what well, we're. Well, you talking start talking about. about infinite unities and infinite love and infinite and it, and it's just that you can't wrap language around it. Right. It's what I think you can wrap language around though is like laughing with someone. Yes. Seeing you can, the joy you can in wrap human. language around the the moment right and and the decision to be and then that and then it's undeniable that that has echoing effects across all of los angeles yes and then los angeles has echoing effects across the whole world and and so you can't (sighs) deny mathematically speaking the the echoing nature of of everything and it starts with the actions of the individual person to do something in this moment. I think that's like where the don't kill yourself list started from. from Oh yeah. Was because like there are these small, like I can sit alone and go down my rabbit holes and my, and about like why things don't fucking matter and everything's pain and not Mm -hmm. a cool way. And I just can't handle it anymore. Um, and I can convince my shit of that, but then I could like smell and drink a cup of coffee and be like, fuck. Yeah. And you'd be like, there's no pretending that's not like good and magical and strange Mm -hmm. and inexplicable that like, it's so enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and that like in those micro, like, yes, you can explain away meaning and existential, whatever, how much as you want, but that doesn't change like when you watch a video of like a, a a baby who can hear for the first time with their thing and we all go like, Oh my God, you know, because embedded in, in to have positive experience, you have to have negative experience. Yeah. That's, and that's true. the yin and yang thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it all yeah. like crunches down into this weird ball. And then it, every person I found kind of contextualizes that ball of unity in a different way. Yeah. I yeah. like Buddhism for that. Buddhism, yeah, it is good language. I also like Ramdas because Ramdas was a, um, he's still alive, but he was a Harvard psychotherapist and teacher. So he's very mm-hmm. Western until he was 40 years old. And then he went to the East for 10 years and, and like had incredible experiences and a complete spiritual awakening and just has shed all of his, most of his Western principles but can explain it to a western mind mm-hmm. so ram das is really cool. yeah I, yeah my, he's a very good middle ground yeah on that sounds all cool um i know some people who are like really love ram das yeah too. yeah he's really him a lot um well so was, then that's kind of that's point. kind of the second question is like you ever have you ever been medicated or tried any medications no um, maybe I, the marijuana mar- thing marijuana yeah, yeah what's up um, with that do you still smoke marijuana 
Uh, less now. Sounds so cop. Do you still smoke marijuana, yeah. sir? Uh, no. Um, I I love marijuana. I think it should be handled with with grace and care and when delicacy. When did you first have it? Uh, I first had it when I was I, I was eating mad edibles, like the strongest edibles ever. Really? Like in how high, much? In high like school, how many I would play basketball. Like I'd have a Friday night game, come back, and then eat an edible, and I'd just be alone for hours, wow. play video games. It was this internal crazy internal journey and definitely that changed my life in a good way or bad in a way. good way okay made me a lot deeper and more uh, frankly made me smarter I'm i've experienced say, that I think with so edibles too, too. they're Be- scary for a little they're bit. scary because they open up so many new questions but then if you can have the strength to fill out those new slots how old were you when you started i was like uh fifth uh well Okay, I tried it once at 15, and then I was 18 as a senior. I was a uh-huh. little bit of an old senior. So about once a week, I was eating these hash edibles Oof. that were like, yeah. knock you over. It's just it's interesting, because yeah. 18 is like, I mean, you still got time. Your brain's still developing, yeah. but it is older than, like, I I still, I, I, I don't really think 12-year-olds should fuck with it. I don't think so either. I don't, I don't no, think, I think you there's should, really good evidence for especially that. Especially, like, you have so many fucking, like, being high chemicals in your brain anyway. anyway yeah, yeah, when you're like, like <laughs> we you said, up, yeah. jinx. Yeah. Oh, no, I, okay, here's... Again, I'm not, don't listen to me, but here's what I think. (laughs) I think you should, uh, uh, someone should try it one time if it, if they can get access to high quality stuff, not Mexican chemical sprayed bullshit. If you can, if you live in California and you can get like organic, really good weed, maybe try it one time when you're 14, 14, not any sooner. And I'm. This is not uh, an official. This is not an official endorsement. endorsement Don't do this. Anybody. Yeah. Maybe one time. And then feel it out at 18. See if you can handle it. I was like, I always took like a week off usually. So I would do it like, I'd have a big ass trip. They were trips. They weren't even high. They were trips. I know, like that's that's my experience with some yeah. edibles I had too. How, how intense? Uh, were, how how many milligrams? You know, do you nah, like kind of measure? Know, it? But they were like ha- yeah. they were made of hash. Yeah. Um, because someone I knew made them, and I was having full blown synesthetic adventures meaning so i was watching this is the highest i ever was i was watching river monsters the show about fish right the, about fish Big fish, fish yeah. in like indonesia i close my eyes and i see before me a 3d form like a orb but it had all these like pu- specific little pulleys and divots like a like a moon almost but like clay and i remember going okay this I, I just was looking at it dead in the face like it was right there with my eyes closed and i was like okay that that crater represents this particular type of tree and oh the the fact that it's pinched here that's because there's fish in the like these big fish in the water and then the fact that the whole thing is green that represents the personality of the host because he, to me he's a very green spirit and like it was it was my first experience of data visualization mm. basically or, or not my first, but like my most intense. And so that, and so I learned that you can, um, from those massive edible experiences that you can map problems, you can map logic into, into visual structure. And then that might be a better way to handle it than, than dealing with it in bit by bit form. Mm. I'm personally, I love, I'm very spatial. So I, everything is like, I put out on like a table and then I go, that plugs into there and that plugs into here. And I think I got that way from my my edible experiences. Yeah, I don't think I had that layer to me to my brain um, before that. So that was cool. And then then I stopped for 
like college did not smoke one time oh. uh first year of college did didn't smoke one time never drank i mean i've, I've had alcohol but like but, i yeah you don't it's not, a blue not, moon it's, it's not a, been your thing not a not my thing at all if i'm gonna get you know interesting substance yeah. it's gonna be pot um so then that's also very healthy for two years of college like i like I gave myself plenty of cool down time. So like almost for like two and a half years, didn't touch pot because I was like, you know, 18 to 20, that's a really big brain development zone yeah. where you can really like, I was enough of a intellectual to kind of know that. So I was like, I'm, I, I'm just going to focus and study, study, study and, and learn stuff. Um, all the while I was listening to Joe Rogan, who's like smoking pot every single day. Right, bro, I was bro. smart enough to know that that was not for me. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of would, I did it like, occasionally in art school every three months I'd take like two puffs off a joint Mm -hmm. and then leaving school uh I was like really burnt out and like I'd been in this massive like four-year study period yeah where I hadn't really used pot all that much you know occasionally like I said and I was like it just felt like time like my brain was developed enough to handle it and I was like let's kind of like turn it up a notch. So yeah. then I bought a, a really expensive vaporizer cause I don't like smoking stuff, bought a really nice vaporizer. And then I was, uh, for about a year and a half, I was smoking like, you know, three bowls maybe every five days. Okay. W- that's a lot for me. Yeah. Never back to back on a single day. So like you, so you weren't like, you weren't like using it too hard, like medicating wise. You no, were like, never. Okay. But, it, but it was, but it was, you, more, you do, it was like a, a, a it was a, more shamanic. I hate that's to cool. use that term, but it really was like, I would, I would practice yeah. music. Um, I would get stoned and then like sing and see how that felt. And mm-hmm. like, there's definitely, oh, that's pretty neat. Yeah. I would, sing I would, and see how I would do felt. experimental. I like yeah. That. Yeah. I would do experimental singing when I was high and, and like, I'd make sure I didn't have to do shit that night. I'd clear my schedule. So the way that I recommend pot, uh, use in my book, the way that I recommend using pot in my book is, is very shamanically, very intentionally with a notebook sporadically. But sometimes like I've also had experiences where I like, where I was meditating during the day and then smoking at night and I was having these really really deep spiritual insights like so deep like transcendental like i was getting chills mm. it's hard to explain but very profound kind of like downloads in your you, meditations it, well the, i knew it your, was like i was meditating during the day then I'd yeah you like, like preloading them and then preloading would, sort cool. of and then i was processing it and i was like getting chills like um, like these like uh transcendental kind of moments of like coming into myself if yeah something so like cool. that and, but, but sometimes I would be very unsatisfied kind of the next day. Like I felt, cause I'm very in tune with myself. So it's like, I felt like I needed to like smoke again the next day to kind of f- close off the, the trip. Like I didn't quite, I didn't like fully, um, integrate. Hmm. So I, I felt like I would, so on those occasions I would do it back to back. Yeah. Um, but I do like to uh, yeah. smoke one, like to work out and stuff like that. Yeah, I just like the way I've, yeah, I've done that once. Tune or twice. It with my body. Yeah, you get really in tune. So basically, long story short, I think you should use it occasionally, sporadically, and be very intentional with it. All right. Yeah. But then, if it's the time, and you ain't got shit to do, or you need to do five paintings, and like it's yeah. party time. Smoke yeah. three joints. Yeah. Fuck and get fucking high. Yeah. Like get fucking high. I agree. Yeah. Sometimes I like, that's I, I good. I do think it opens some shit up. It that's opens just some wonderful. shit up. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't do that all the time. Yeah. Um, what's something cheesy you find inspiring? 
Oh, that's so interesting. Everything. I know. <laughs> I love cheesy. Like I'm the guy that loves puns. Well, we 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 we. I do too. Fucking really hard. <laughs> like everyone's like, I think I hate we puns. I, like, love, I love like, um, sincerity cringe. It was I was yes. like, like a lot of the stuff that I yeah, like yeah, yeah. to make and do. I right. would put under sincerity that cringe. We that was our yeah. first conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love shit like that. And like part of my, I do performance art, and like my part of my act is I'll talk about like like why courage is important. Like, yeah, like it's really, or like how the black death changed or strengthened our immune system. And it's like, you fought that flu off last week because of the black death. Yeah. And, and like, I'll make these really cheesy points that are loosely true. And then it kind of devolve into like just cringe, weird, abstract stuff. Like, so I can't even answer that question. It's just like everything. Yeah, cheesy. like that's like how you interact that's how with the I, reality. I, that, exactly. That's so funny. Um, well, what's something dark about you? That's the fourth question. Oh, wow. Oh, my dick. Oh, no, sorry. That's pretty Could dark. That was that. a good answer. That's, that's, I think that's staying in, unfortunately. Right. I don't usually cut anything. It's too hard. <laughs> dick is staying in. Um, that's what she said. Uh, Fuck. Hey. Uh, <laughs> it's just so bad. There's All downhill cheese, from here. There's our cheesiness. Cheesy, also just the broiness that the you can't you can only hold back for so long. What's dark about me? I'm or just something. I'm very sensitive to dark things, so I don't watch horror movies. Hate them. Interesting. Uh, Why do you? Think I that don't is? watch CSI. I don't watch anything to do with murder. I, I appreciate that. I think that's good. I, I think our society is a really weird I, thing. With I don't true have crime like right that now. weird, like, desire to like live in those world to try those worlds out in yeah. mental spaces. I don't have that. Um, I guess the darkest thing about me is I'm why uh, just because it don't? feels bad or do you, does it because feel like it touches I'm, something that's inside am, of you am, already? Or I am the archangel Lucas. Okay. Incarnated. No, is that uh, thing? <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up. Um, I'm really sensitive. So like really sensitive. So it's like a, it's a, it's a battle for me to just stay like, feeling good and pure and like like hmm. that's the struggle and i don't and it just to, i get derailed if i if it's too something's too dark it just it's unnecessary for me it's like it's almost like an efficiency thing i know that's not a good answer it's no just that's like, interesting it's like i don't need to go there because i'm gonna i'm always aiming for it being swallowed for, by yeah it? Or maybe maybe that's kind of deep but like I'm always aiming for a certain ideal. I'm very idealist and kind mm. of like Greek in that way. Like yeah. I want my columns to be straight and or to be beautiful and my marble to be pure. Mm. Like I'm very much of that energy. Interesting. So, yeah. and I know that that's not completely feasible in the real world. Yeah. So my darkness, I feel darkness in like my, like if my dad had a bad day and like I can feel that he's a little yeah, off, that's kind that's of that's my darkness. I'm like that. I'm I don't like need murder shit yeah. to, to feel dark. It's it's like I've oh, definitely been exploring. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I've always had a dark streak in me, and I I had the same thing. I didn't like horror movies or anything forever. Something in me is like shifted a little where I'm like interested in exploring it now. I think I've been like afraid You're of stronger. it. Stronger, maybe. And I also think there's a, a thing in me that's like maybe the reason I avoided it was I was worried that it resonated with something yeah. in me, and I didn't want to feed right. that. See, I believe in that too. That if you yeah. really aver- if you put too much mental weight on averting aversion you're not in balance with it. Yeah, because exactly. Because I, I have this whole canon of philosophy called effortlessness. Hmm. And it's like, the thing you're best at is the thing that you don't even think about. Super weird, dude. I used to say that. I would say greatness is the easiest thing in the world. Right, it's easy. That there's a yeah. strange, like, um, when you 
punch the hardest, when you run the fastest, mm-hmm. you feel like you're jog. You're like when yeah. you're done, you're like, how fast was that? And, yeah. like, and you're like, what? And it, and this weirdness of like realizing uh, in a lot of ways, I think this, this is why fight sports uh, have always appealed to me is this thing like even though you literally have another opponent, the reality of it is you're in contest with yourself to strip away intention and ego and thought and just respond to and the environment. Yeah. And that if you can do that. It's easy. It's and, easy, and like you're, you're, and the irony of like doing less to be better, right? Yeah, I, it's, I call that effortless. Yeah, I like that. I want to just be. I try. I fail miserably, but I try to just effortlessly move from one thing to the next to the next. Oh, because this is a good point. Because I, I had a huge problem with certain tasks blending into other tasks. So mm. if I did something in the morning, it would consume my thoughts and I couldn't fucking focus on any different types of things mm-hmm. because I'm very obsessive, which comes with intelligence, right? Cause you're breaking everything down. You're like running through all the, mm-hmm. all the decisions, yeah. but the meditation, uh, meditating kind of helps you shut down activity one and now, uh, and now begin activity two. So I'm big on like, Ending task, beginning anew, and effortlessness. Interesting. And so anything so that takes that me, structure. I need that structure. And like anything that takes me off of that, that's my darkness. I see. That's literal darkness to me. I see. I don't need more yeah, darkness. That's so interesting. Huh. Yeah. Cool. I like that's really Yeah, hmm. thanks. Um, what's the last gorgeous thing you saw? Jared. Oh, Jared's mm-hmm. beautiful I was like, face. people say that. <laughs> How many people have said that? A handful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the only it's one. Like, they say that because they're on the spot. And then yeah. also uh, on they're the list of, on the Don't Kill Yourself list is dogs. Those are the okay. two most common answers. Is people say, what's the last gorgeous thing? Is that you? And then, or you know, yeah. maybe. Um, the last beautiful thing I saw was, uh, I don't know. I just see beauty in everything. <laughs> I know, but I, I agree. I mean, I agree. I was just I, like, I was kidding. Anything... that was my sarcastic answer. I kind of do, but I know. I do I'll give too. you a real answer. Um, like I I love plants. So yeah. Th- these leaves and like your whole little forest down here. He has like a really great garden in front of his house. And I I genuinely think that's beautiful because I paint and draw forests all the time. Mm-hmm. So I really am attracted to that. I I don't think uh like those houses across the street, those aren't really that beautiful to me. Right. So I like plants. These plants. All right, that's good. Yeah. Um. If you, if you so add to the don't kill yourself list. You know the thing I do, which is uh, it always for me starts with coffee sandwiches and lavender soap. <laughs> but uh, add something. It's it's just like a dark time in my life. I started doing it as an exercise of like things that are usually they're accessible, kind of common yeah. things. That's cool. That's cool. That are. To, to in my ex, my subjective experience, objectively good things in the yeah. universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. What do you got? Add something to the to the thing that'll yeah, keep me from killing myself. Yeah, what's on your don't kill yourself list? Drawing, painting. Yeah. Because like the textures of it at all, or like just like the, the act colors. Of it? It's the colors. Yeah. I love colors. I and I can just lose myself in that, and and I just the the ex, the, the rest of the world doesn't exist, and I'm just like some weird. I feel like some weird sprite that can just spawn colors and shapes. And I find that so interesting. Mm. And I try, I try to, when I paint something, I try to have no plan whatsoever. I try to literally pull something from another dimension out. And and then the fun for me is like, whoa, I can never, ever have planned that. But I feel like I'm the only one that could grab that. 
and and bring it back to earth. Oh, so then I so get a lot good. of joy from showing myself and the the rest of the world like whoa look how weird cool this is yeah because weird and cool are intimately linked for me i think so too i can't separate the two i'm and i call that our the inner anthropologist what do you mean some people are just anthropologists at heart yeah i mean like i love i love young thug yeah he's my favorite rapper great. yeah he's great does he use words sometimes does he make sense maybe half the time yeah but he's he's like Oh, he's like the most interesting tree frog in the forest right. or something right, right, or, right. or something like that. Like, well, what you said is really a beautiful yeah. thing to think about that, how, um, the individual creative human as like this sprite that like, that you are just so generative. Yeah. That, like you're coming up with. Yeah. Everyone things. is. Even yeah. Though, yeah. Even if you don't are. do art, I agree. With the words you use and some people will just say something so, or some people just feel bond between people yeah so strongly right stronger than i do yeah I, i'm not easily bonded with right. people but i i kind of see people who who are like that and i can feel that they have something i don't have mm -hmm. not that i'm inse insecure about it because i have i like myself but but like there's yeah. like this intense kind of brotherly bond thing that I find really beautiful that I don't have. Well, so you said that ball of unity thing uh, yeah. th that you said earlier. That's, that's how I've always envisioned the universe as a big golden ball <laughs> at the center of all things that we're that's all, cool. that we're all these tendrils. Of. Yeah. We're like these little like reflection sp specs sprites. Um, yeah. Of. Well, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Well, I mean that dude, thank you for We've doing had a good this. Talk. Where, um, tell them the title of your book and they can find your book again. So do that or, and your Instagram or whatever you want people to know how to find. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. So my book is called, I'm not moving out. I'm not getting a job. Screw you. A millennial field guide plus Gen Z. And it's written for that adult, that boomer in your life who just has no freaking idea about millennials, about the effect of the internet, about the effect of social media, who just is like way behind the times. Uh, maybe your grandparents, your, your dad, your uncle. And I've just had so many people read it themselves and really like it, even it, which is cool because it wasn't really written for young people, but they really yeah. like it. And then they say, I gave it immediately to my dad. Like I can't, I have 14 people who've said that. Like I read it, loved it and gave it to my dad or my mom. So, um, so yeah, it's, dope, dude. it's, it's on Amazon. Yeah. It's so, dope. and just type in millennial field guide and it'll pop up. Cool. Dario Savan. Dario Savan. Yeah. Dude, thanks for hanging and talking to me today. Yeah. It was super fun. All right. Bye guys. <laughs>